This is the one with a pod blast. Edgelords. Russia's greatest love machine. A sizable collection of seismologists. And Doc's sentimental farewell of Dan. Oh, wait. Sorry, nope. My mistake. Slam. It's called The Power of the Doctor. Here we go. Whistle on our epic phrase. All through time and all through space. Whistle being an angel's hour. Dalek, Cyber, Zood, and Wow! Counting Sonic's rating out. From the poor to the sublime. Eccleston to Whitaker. Let's agree it's about time. Who back when? Reviewing on you who there is. Who back when? Subscribe and rate on iTunes, please. Rose and Donna. Amy Pond. Rory Clara. And beyond. Join us on this side to see what other choice could there be but who back when? Who back when? Ladies and gentlemen, and all in between and beyond, and all who are, all who were, and all who ever will be, humans, aliens, all the great cloud of witnesses, welcome to the final ever scheduled review of Who Back When, a Doctor Who podcast. <sighs> or Doc Past. Or Doc Past Past. <laughs> for behold, lo, eke omnes, for verily we have caught up covering 59.nitro 999 years of Doctor Who, minus the audios and where's Tortured and the Sarah Jane Adventures, yes I know, but here we are, fully in the terrifying present. Who are we in the terrifying present? I am Drew Back When, and before me sits a man who over ten years ago resolved to turn a faint whisper of drunken mischief into a global podcasting <laughs> empire. And he should be very pleased that didn't in fact happen, because, my dears, it doesn't get any better than this. But tonight I shall be shooting the shizzle for one final time with the legendary, the mythical, the grand eminence of eloquence, Mr. Leon Pod Dunn. <laughs> Hello, Leon. You are too kind. Hello, Drew. Hello, podcast land. Wowee. Is this it? Have we reached the end? Well, we seem to be standing on the edge of existence, peering into the great beyond. <laughs> Ooh, is that a precipice? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It feels like we reviewed this one not too long ago, Drew. Yes. Well, I said in the instant reaction review, eight months. It's been more like ten and a half. But nevertheless, yeah. here we are. N175, the power of the doctor. Mm. Super excited. Um, mm. How do you feel about it? How do you feel about having reached... The conclusion of New Who, uh, as far as this timeline goes. <laughs> I wish it were a better conclusion. Oh! <laughs> you were very positive about this episode when we instantish reacted to it. Yeah, but I'm instantish very easy to please. <laughs> what about you? You went too far behind me in the enthusiasm stakes. No, that's true. And I can still feel a slight twitch in my nethers, but it <sighs> is wow. maybe not quite as... That blue box blue pill really does alarm. <laughs> it really does. It, it, it's maybe not quite as impressive as Are we I still talking felt about that it was. The episode. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Actually, you know what goes? It, it applies equally to both. But no. <laughs> no, it's not quite as impressive as it was on first viewing. Apart from visually, visually, still. But you know what? Top draw. I still feel like this is a proper romp. I mean, a truly entertaining romp. It's in many ways a pile of shit, but it is a romp. Well, to take your analogy, this is the longest ever episode of Doctor Who. Mm -hmm. And... Didn't need to be. Just saying, didn't need to be. Well, I would have struggled to keep up with it were it any quicker, because this is a marathon taken at a sprint pace. This is 26 miles of VO2 max balls to the wall, pure exhaustion. Okay, here's what I mean by didn't need to be. I think about a third of this plot could have been excised. Oh, well, that's very interesting, and we'll get to that. 
Yes, we will. I have a feeling that actually, even though, you know what? Fuck it. I'm going to put a peso on the table right now. I'm almost certain that I'm going to give this a higher rating than you will. Mm-hmm. But I have a feeling that we're going to overlap a lot in our sentiments about it. Well, currently, I have a range of 1.5 within which I believe my rating will fall. So Yeah, and I- I've already written down a rating, and it's already 0.2 lower than it was about half an hour ago. Just so. based on my face, <laughs> podcast land. So. <laughs> like, all I needed to do was frown at you to influence you. I should have done this before. No, this was me also going through my notes to remind myself what it is I watched about a week ago. But oh. yeah, oh. Mm, well, we'll get to it. Shall we remind Podcast Land of what they may have watched? Yes, and ourselves, week? please. Yes. Or in a bee scow. Let's. The last bee scow. Oh! Time for us to synopsize, lobify and summarize. So take a view and grab a brief and listen to this overview. This free for all we like to call a bite-sized chunk of who. Bite-sized chunk of who? Kablammo! We're aboard a space-time express train, and Doc and what remains of the fam fail to rescue yet another unique, near-mythical, never-seen-before creature we'll never revisit, substantiate, or learn more about. Boom! Rasputin is the master. Why never you mind? Explosion! Famous paintings are being vandalized and seismologists disappearing. Shut up, there's no time. Shazam! Cybers have invaded units, but it's okay because Ace and Tegan are there. Can Tegan act yet? Nope, be quiet! The master's calling in to expose it for the third time. Laser sound effect! That snarly cyber dude, a shad is back. Pew pew! Master is now Doc. Four Docs are now AI. You'd best believe the music says it's exciting. And if you think this writing is lazy, you should see the episode. Beast go over. You are welcome. Aren't you just? (laughs) (laughs) I think that recreated the experience quite well. Yeah, absolutely. Leon, I hear that you have a bucket load, nay, a shed load of introductory questions. I do. I have tons and tons, but I don't know where to begin. But I also hear that you have a shed load, nay, a bucket load of introductory questions. Do you know which one you'd like to start with? Yes, because I'm stealing your identity for this episode to become (gasps) the Leon, I mean, doctor, I mean, whatever. How many Time Lords had to die for Doc to be fed? To screen a light bulb. No. (laughs) (laughs) For Doc to be fed the extra 12 regenerations in the time of the Doctor, because here, the extra regeneration energy is sourced from the Cyber Masters coming back to life. Oh. So how many Time Lord Crims were plucked out of (laughs) Charder when it was decided that Doc was going to get another (laughs) go around, another new cycle? Oh, well, it's not just Shadows. I mean, it's the it's Gallifrey. It's all the re- regeneration energy that was taken from Gallifrey and implanted into the Cyber Masters. Is that what they call the yeah. Cyber Masters? Oh, yeah, such yeah, a shit yeah. name. Um, that's a great question. I love that. Uh, <laughs> it's almost like, have you seen Ravenous? No. Robert Carlyle, Guy Pearce, I think, is in it. It's fucking amazing. It's about like, early 2000s? Yeah, no, it absolutely is. And it's all about... Essentially, if you eat some human flesh, even like just a tiny little bit, then you get a whole bunch of energy. And it feels exactly oh, like this. That's exactly what happened. I did, you're so right. It's cannibalism meets incest in a terrarium. Oh, fuck it. I'll probably, I'll <laughs> cut that in post. I'll trim it. I'll trim it. Great question. Don't know. No idea. Uh, yeah. but, but that very, that thing we celebrated from before, like, oh, look, the orange stuff is coming out of Gallifrey. Yay. That is actually got a very sinister undertone. It does a little bit. Where did they get it from? Yeah, it's a bit shit, isn't it? The, then you have the Sisterhood of Khan, uh-huh. who are able to force a regeneration by like, feeding you a liquid. 
Oh, right. Regeneration liquid, whatever it's called. It's the water that's sapping from some sort of plant or a crystal or whatever it is. There's there's a mineral inside a cave that's oh, okay. dripping, you know, that, you know that thing. Yeah, so you've got a load of Time Lords that are on death row, super death row, and, you know, final death row, double death row. We'll also get to that. And they're like, the, the warden says, what would you like your last meal to be? Oh, I'd like a delicious roast dinner, please. And it comes and it's just this cup. And it's like, what's this? It's in liquefied form. It, it tastes like beef and Yorkshire puddings, definitely. <laughs> just just knock it back. Get it down, yeah. And what, then you I, regenerate. I feel funny, yeah, yeah. Like, I'm like, this isn't death. This is, wait, you're stealing my... Ah! That's what happens. Well, it's it's actually only just dawn on me. Does the Chibber's rewriting of what regeneration energy is or might be, does it kind of undo the Sisterhood of Khan? Mm, I don't think necessarily. I think there are different ways of, different angles of attack. But yeah, it's yet mm. another thing where, where it raises more questions than it answers. Does any of the regeneration energy go into the master as well? Well, he comes back, he staggers out, but seemingly just to die. Yeah, that's not going to happen. No, of course not. No, no. But he, he only does that so that he can force the doctor to regenerate again. <laughs> do, do you want to talk about the regeneration? We're, 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 we're talking about the regeneration already. Do you want to talk about Which the regeneration? regeneration? The, My goodness. Do you want to talk about the forced regeneration plot of the master's? Okay. Because you don't have the technology, forgetting that it happened to you five or six doctors ago. Yeah, on the planet that that guy scavenged. Anyway, but yes, why? Why do this? What's the point of it? Well, that opens up a whole much bigger can of worms, which is the master. Well, it could be the story of a really interesting, deep-seated psychological condition on the master's part. Either he wants to sort of reinvent himself or somehow atone for his sins by becoming his idol or becoming the better version of himself whom he sees in his friend, whatever it might be. But that's absolutely not what's going on. That's absolutely not what's going on. Apart from there are a couple of hints at it, maybe. Just little expressions, visual expressions of complexity. It's never put into words. Where the master looks momentarily sorrowful that he has to do this. But then the glee and the maniacal laughter takes right back over again. Yeah, I don't think that that was even ever intended. I think there's just a... I think what you see when he talks to that journalist bot, the camera bot. Yeah. I think that's the sum total of of his ambition here. And you don't need to... We already discussed this in our Instant Reaction Review. You don't need to regenerate into the Doctor in order to do that. So it makes no sense. Well, it possibly makes sense in that every time the Master thinks he's killed the Doctor, guess what? The Doctor doesn't die. If there is a very simple equation of two people go into phone booths and only one comes out and it's me, the other one, that you can't, you're not part of that. You're not in the right-hand side of this equation. So that's it. That's what I figured out. That's how this is different from all my other schemes I am you, therefore you're not anywhere. It's perfect. It's bulletproof. So how is this different from just killing her? Well, he's tried that a million times. It doesn't work. But he doesn't try it here. He could just go, hey, every, like you are standing in the middle of a room. Here are all my chums. You're, oh, you're not emoting, Cybers, Daleks? You're not saying a word? You're not doing anything? Laser this person. Laser Doc. Yeah. Oh, well. Exterminate her. I mean, Done. They try that, but it turns out to be Joe Martin. I'm bloody Doc One, mate. So that's the sort of pratfall plot hole that the master just can't help tripping over yeah i think that is a plot hole i think (laughs) that is incredibly lazy unfortunately oh it it is i'm more disturbed by the master's just submission to the doctor yes 
he has taken over her identity. But in doing so, he's 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 become pathetic. Oh yes, certainly. Like what I liked about all the previous versions, Derek Jacobi, even the Michelle Gomez or John Sim versions, is they loved being themselves. Yes, they were pained or mad or in agony, but no one loves them being themselves more than the master. Here, the master pleads with the doctor in a in a tiny keening voice, "Don't make me go back to being me." Hmm. Something else that Gomez, that all the prior masters had in common and that they succeeded at really quite well was being incredibly clever. Here, the only time that the master does anything that it remotely resembles something clever, in my opinion, very biased, lots of people love this episode, I have no doubt. Yeah. But the only time that he does something that resembles something clever, it's when he turns Doc into him. And it only resembles something clever because he says, hey, Yaz, I've done something incredibly clever. But it's actually not clever at all. Later on, sorry, just to finish this point. Later on, he goes to that planet from Super Mario Brothers with all the mushrooms. Mm -hmm. And you've got two planets fighting each other. And we don't find out who these two planets are, what they're doing, how they started fighting. But we do learn that he caused this fight. And he's going to cause it and have Doc take credit for it because he's now Doc. And that's a clever that we've just fast-forwarded past. He's been incredibly clever and created this interplanetary war, and we never learn what it is. What is it? How did he do that? I completely had no idea that he'd caused the war. I... Surely that is exactly what's happening. Doesn't what he... I took at face value was the scene in front of me where he rocks up where the Doctor would help. She would put an end to this war. And instead, he's like, nah, I've actually got nothing to do with it. But I'm going to take the credit because, yeah, I'm just going to broadcast my my new sullying of the Doctor's name as fast and as wide as I possibly can, even if it's complete bollocks. Doesn't he say something like, I figured out how to... I, I couldn't find it in the transcript just now. I was trying... People always wonder how you end a war between two planets, and I'm the one who figured out you do it by having one destroy the other or having them destroy each each other or something like that. So they arrive on the moon or the mushroom kingdom or whatever, and it's, oh, lovely, gold star and a sticker. That's how you stop two sides warring, Yaz. Destroy them both. But, and oh, then so he's, he's, so he's and not then he technically says, taking credit for it? Is that what you're well, saying? Well, then he says, hello, I've got a message for you. I'm the doctor and I caused this. And we have no way of knowing if he actually did. Hmm. See, I I take that to be he did. Your interpretation is more generous and charitable and maybe true. (laughs) But (laughs) the evidence is circumstantial at best. I have more questions about the master. Well, go go ahead. What I was going to say was what the master said was clever was also diluted by what he says every five minutes or so in Act One, which is I've got the Siberium in my brain. Yeah. I'm hosting that and that's why I'm clever. And the Master should be capable of five-dimensional chess. The Doctor has found him a worthy opponent for many decades, and I don't need him to be souped up, turbocharged with the Siberian, which we never see, which is Exactly, which I really miss in this episode. Yeah, is he still... Is the Siberian still in there somewhere after... He regenerates slash unregenerates. It's completely unclear. It it doesn't matter. Frankly, I don't care. But yeah, he's conceding to the Doctor, to the Siberian. What's left of this guy except a bunch of ticks and nervous laughter? Yeah. Gets me. 
Also, if this is the culmination, here's something else that I'm missing here. If this is the culmination of their arc, their friendship arc, as in Doc and Master, this is at least how he perceives the end of their relationship. Shouldn't there be some callback to the beginning? Shouldn't there be something where they almost... They should resonate with one another in a more profound and personal way, but they don't. He just sticks her in a terrarium, (laughs) turns her into himself. Never mind all the rest of it. I I feel like it doesn't even add up on a sci-fi scientific level. But we don't get a... Oh no, my best friend is killing me or taking me... Like, we don't... There's nothing emotionally satisfying about any of it from either point of view. Well, I will say this ties in with... Sasha Dewan was recently interviewed talking about you fully gone. Like, is there a chance you could come back in RTD's second era? And he says, well, I can't really see it at the moment, but never say never. And around the edges, I learnt that he had not watched previous Masters when he decided to take on the role. Are you serious? Yes, because he didn't want to be influenced by them, which is valid on some level. And he didn't want to end up doing like a bad impression or just mimicking them even subconsciously. But what, I think that's entirely the wrong thing to do. Well, what it amounts to is what you get here, which is an ending of a relationship without knowledge of the history or feeling like it's been that long and that deep. Yeah, but surely at some point when he was given this role, even if he hasn't watched Classic Who or or even older New Who, like he has never seen John Seymour. That is bizarre, by the way, that he never that he didn't do any research. That is actually a little heartbreaking. But surely at some point Chibbers sits him down and says, Listen, this is who you are. Here's here's how you relate to your nemesis, the doctor. Surely Dewan at some point went, so wait, why do I hate this person? Why do I hate her so much? Uh-huh. Oh, let me let me here, have a crack a crack a beer and let's have a chat and I'll tell you all about why you hate this person. And then he, even without watching Classic Who, he then has an opportunity to form his own backstory, his own sort of psychology, just put some meat on those bones. But he hasn't done that. That's what Chibbers has done by making the Master the unwitting offspring of the Timeless Child. So now the Master has reconceived their relationship rather than one of equals as he has a massive inferiority complex. But, but he's but trying in the to work sa- out. Yeah, but in the same... Isn't it in this episode that Doc even says he used to be a friend of mine? Yeah. So when he's not in, on set, they have a backstory. <laughs> when he's on set, no backstory to be found. Yeah. I find that a little upsetting. I didn't know that he hadn't watched any prior stuff. That's fucking horrendous. If you think of, for example, how... <laughs> for some reason, YouTube keeps recommending Capaldi-related clips to me at the moment. As they should to everyone. Absolutely, yeah. Finally, the algorithm is learning. AI oh my God, is like, coming of age. Watch like every single time that either he talks about himself, his fandom, or Craig Ferguson, or anything where Craig Ferguson talks about Peter Capaldi. It's great. Okay. <laughs> who's Craig Ferguson? The Late Late Show. Before oh, What's-His-Face okay. took over, who's now no longer doing it, I think. What's-His-Face? What's his Corden? Yeah, exactly. Before ah. Corden took over, it was Craig Ferguson. Right, right. And Craig Ferguson and Peter Capaldi used to be in a punk band. Oh, wow. And, sorry, tangent. Peter Capaldi once went on, only once went on the Late Late Show with with Craig Ferguson. And they talked about, like, when they did LSD and (laughs) had, like, a crazy trip. But it's hilarious. It's really good. Oh, wow. Anyway, for that reason, very recently, I've been inundated with clips of, hey, Peter Capaldi, let us remind you of what a huge fan of this, this show you are. 
and how much not just research, but like just from the heart, it's not active research, but how much knowledge you have of this show going into the role. Having anyone enter this show and not having done, like deliberately not having done any research is actually heartbreaking to me. Yeah. Capaldi had been a fan longer than any previous Doctor had. Yeah. Obviously, before taking on the role. I do understand what Sasha Dewan's talking about because the other versions, they, they stand up. He wants to put his own spin on it. But he can do that. Well, the, the thing is, the spin ended up being what I didn't like. This master is as brittle as an eggshell. You can see it in his eyes. His eyes constantly seem on the verge of cracking wide open and yolks just dribbling out of them. I think there are a couple of parallels to make here, but do you also see a little bit of the Joker in the master of this era? Aside from the fact that there is a freaking crystal clear stealing of plot points from the Dark Knight here. <laughs> oh, right. Yeah. <laughs> Or possibly Spectre, or which one is it? Not Spectre. It's a sky a Skyfall. Okay. Oh no, I'm being arrested. Oh no, I'm in the cell. Oh yeah. Oh yes, yeah. of course, of course. Uh, there are some people who have played the Joker incredibly well. They've the, everyone tries to do their own thing with the Joker, and they do an incredibly good job or just a horrendously wrong job. Mm-hmm. And I feel like this is the latter, unfortunately. I never took to this master. I think I said that from the get-go. I never really cared for this one. Did you like him in the beginning? Has he developed for you? I remember the reveal as O being good, but I wouldn't say... I he, Sorry, that is true, actually. He was really quite scary on occasion in the beginning. Yeah. No, overall, I don't want to be too harsh, but I'm struggling to remember real classic... To a degree, it's not his fault as well. Similar to Jodie Whittaker, it not being her fault that maybe on occasion we took to her less than we did some prior Doctors. Maybe. I, I don't know. He. The thing is, he's supposed to be amping it up here, right? This is supposed to be a bigger, crazier, more threatening, more dangerous performance than ever before. Yeah. But as, as you're supposed to see the Master as this universe-rocking, imperious bastard, in the very same moment, he's saying, I'm going to shrink myself down. To, I'm going to establish myself as less than the Doctor forever. The Master's gone and I'm the Doctor now. And it's like, no, the, the Master's supposed to want to run a planet or the universe or anything. Not yeah, surely the one thing way. that the Master really wants is his or their name immortalized forever. <laughs> remembered echoed across the universe for all eternity yeah and he wants to be running his masterful empire and when the doctor rocks up and throws the spanner in the works the master is peeved but still convinced that he will ultimately be victorious yeah sure and he hasn't been thinking about the doctor the whole time waiting for them to arrive being like oh i just need your opposition to complete me I get the distinct impression that as soon as the cameras switch off or Jodie's gaze is averted, Sasha Dewan's master is lessened. He loses his raison d'etre because he's so irredeemably broken because of this timeless child rewrite, which it all comes back to. The classic master was never broken in this way, was he? John Sim, he was crazy bananas. But but even when he was, he was in control of his own persona. Yeah. Yeah, it's... The the mighty have fallen a little bit. Can I ask another question about the master? Yes. Uh, And this will maybe start us Uh off on a tangent back to the plot, the meat of this story, and and we'll talk about other characters as well. Well, we we had to talk about the master for ages at the beginning because he's... 
He's got the biggest face on the poster, which is something else that annoys me. Oh, really? At the poster that you will have put on the instant reaction review. To oh, really? Hang on. I'm going there now. I can't remember. The doctor is front and center, sure, but the master's head is about twice as big as her entire body. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Curious. Interesting. Mm. And no one else, by the way. There are so many doctors in this. There are so many companions in this, but no one else. Really? Wait, that seems weird. I didn't put the entire poster on there, so maybe maybe I cropped something. Okay, question about the master. Okay. Is the master actually Rasputin, or has he replaced (sighs) Rasputin? Never mind the fact that that plot makes no sense, it's utter bullshit, and it's also a missed opportunity, but is he actually (laughs) Rasputin? Yeah, how long was he posing as a mystic Siberian monk? Because to be clear, oh, sorry to sorry to cover you off. Yeah, Kegels refers to him as Rasputin. She doesn't say lots of artwork was vandalized to have some bearded guy on it. He, she says Rasputin's face is on is now in these paintings. Yes, yes, she does. Well, there was a early draft of the script oh oh i haven't looked any up any trivia for this this yeah. is so good i'm feeling a twitch again dude where the master maybe he didn't quite die on the planet but he went back to russia and the guy who actually killed rasputin prince yusupov mm-hmm. was supposed to turn up at that point with a gun and be like let's let's have a little late night tryst down by the river just you and i and so he was supposed to fully have not stolen the doctor's identity stolen rasputin's identity and become that historical figure this is where i feel like this is an absolute missed opportunity stop me if we've already talked about this in the instantish reaction review i can't remember but if we were to have gone down that route couldn't we have had him have stolen a little bit of the regeneration energy from doc or at least reveal that he has a little bit of regeneration energy left himself and then he's faced with a firing squad and they go, right, so we'll shoot him. And if that doesn't kill him, we'll hang him. And if that doesn't kill him, then we'll poison him. And if that doesn't kill him, then we'll we'll drown drown him. him. And if that doesn't kill him and so on and so on and so on. And then we go, oh, now it makes sense. That's why all those stories about Rasputin, you know? Well, even the truncated version that we get is a very good fit because Rasputin had that hypnotic power over the Tsar and Tsarina. That's true. Which is one of the... Lines I really do enjoy in this episode, where the Tsar says, I do think that. Don't Don't I? I? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, that is nice. That is nice. I agree with that. It does rather shit on history in the sense of any interesting historical figure was either a character from the Doctor Who universe or was set up or influenced or tutored by a character in the Doctor Who universe. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> it, yeah it's supposed to make doctor who seem important and significant as as anything in history and it just cheapens everything it really does i think it does yeah i agree you're supposed to enrich by adding and you're just taking away even if we had had some kind I mean, it would have taken too long to build up and yada 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 and the number of but... deaths that, <laughs> that would really have slowed down the third act and traumatized some children well we don't need we don't need to see you you mean Rasputin's death <laughs> yeah his well, we many, don't need many to deaths. we don't need to see them we need to don't need to show them we just need to make a reference to and if that doesn't kill him he, he's, yeah, he's put yeah. in front of a firing squad and he just says you can't kill me with bullets and then someone in the yeah. back just says well if this doesn't kill you we're going to try hanging yeah. And then he just goes, oh, fuck, I remember the story of Rasputin. Oh, shit. <laughs> I'm in for a rough night. <laughs> okay, I'm tangenting 
further into the plot. Great. When they refer to him, when Cagles refers to him as Rasputin, this is the painting subplot, the, the artwork vandalism subplot. Yep. Which still makes no sense to me. And has been taken off by Loki, the latest season of Loki. I haven't seen the new season yet. I've just seen tie-in adverts, but Loki pops up all over the timeline oh, in nice. statues, in paintings. Uba! Stop aping Doctor Who, Disney. You now own it anyway, kind of. <laughs> the Master suddenly shows up playing a message in Unit, oh in Unit HQ. Yes, not for the last time. Has he hacked them? Do we actually need this subplot? He has hacked them because he must have been in the building at some point to put, well, to stash some kind of, oh, I don't know what his little remote control gizmo is. It does everything. He It's his sonic gizmo. He smashes the fire alarm glass and behind it is the gizmo. He says, oh, such a good plan. And off he's... Oh, that's his mini- minification, his tissue compression device, isn't it? Yeah, but he also presses the button on that and teleports out of there you're right yeah and i assume although it's never said because it's such an underwhelming explanation i assume that's also how he escapes 1916 and catches up with the doctor in 2022 where the metal planet now is so this is (laughs) this this uh, another question that i wrote in my intro list Did the master really need this plan to get into cyber get the cybers into unit he teleports out of there so could he not teleport in there and consequently teleport the cybers in there if he even needs the cybers in there, which he doesn't? <laughs> no, because he has to hide his teleportation device in there so that he can only teleport out of there. Wait. So how did he get the... Oh, <laughs> oh, this story is its unnecessarily convoluted and it's convoluted to the point of it's so complex it doesn't make sense. No, don't worry about it. Don't think about it. Don't scrutinize it because if you do, you'll realize that, that it doesn't make sense. But if you don't think about it, you'll think that it's really complex and clever. And yeah. it's unfortunate. And what, what is <laughs> annoying is we have a limited runtime despite it being the longest Doctor Who's ever been. And all these convolutions can only be crammed in by shortcuts, which is what you've described, which is the Doctor and... Or just the companions. One of my introductory questions, as you, was... (laughs) (laughs) You've already made a reference to Act 1. Like, don't feel like I... (laughs) Don't think I didn't feel a part of my... (laughs) (laughs) Part of you being sucked out of the terrarium. (laughs) Chance to be a fine thing. My question was, is the Master listening to everything the Doctor and all the Doctor's companions are saying at all times? Because... (laughs) <laughs> Tegan and Ace just finish their lines of dialogue and then boom, the master's on the screen. Look at me. I'm saying something that's exactly pertinent to what you're saying Oh, it's now. clearly voice activated. Yeah. <laughs> and when Yaz has just seen Vinda's distress call message and the second that ends, the master appears behind her and says, Yaz, you really need to look this way now. And yeah, the first time is just after Kegels has given Doctor the debrief And so it happens three times. That's three extra narrative loops that they've seen fit to add and shortcuts. Thus, as I say, said before, cheapening everything. Yeah, I I just took 0.2 off my rating again. (laughs) Yeah, because it's like, how can we fit more stuff in? Well, we can only do it if we're maximum lazy. Okay. Well, that's the the thing. So I think we could have kept this maximum runtime, but stripped it of... All of these truly unnecessary things. Get rid of the Dark Knight Skyfall subplot, which makes no sense. 
get rid of the weird, unique alien that you don't need. You don't need that. The whole, like, opening... Can we talk about the cold open, actually? Wait, fuck it. Let's get to the cold open. Yeah. Cold open, train action scene, yada, yada, yada. There's a child that's being carried aboard this ship. Yes, that is a good fake-out, though, because I thought it was the timeless child for a while. Oh, yes. Oh, yeah, that's true. Yeah, that, that's very true. Yeah, I think we maybe talked about this the last time, or maybe we talked about it off the record but certainly yeah absolutely that would have been fantastic yep. she fails to rescue herself that could have been kind of cool yeah. but we never learn anything else about this creature it, it appears to be a child it's actually ginormous but somehow it fits into this teeny tiny little box energy tendrils lashing everywhere but well, people can stand right in front of it apart from when it's full real form is revealed also why are they transporting it are they planning to beast below it somewhere is, is that it we learned that it's a sentient being so are the humans who are transporting it in a fucking locked box are they actually trying to enslave this creature that seems kind of mean it's powering the train no but not powering the train but it's <laughs> capable of powering a planet doc says so why is it cargo maybe they're trying to keep it safe somewhere although that would require imprisoning it why not just let it float free through the universe Exactly. Exactly. But yeah. anyway, so my point is, cut that subplot entirely. Let's ah. not let's not have this alien. But then how does the doctor die? Well, fuck the doctor dying like <laughs> this. The master has built an entire like has a built has a built a planet. Yeah. Or a moon or whatever. It built a moon that is designed to look like the Death Star and to convert yes, you're right. And to convert an entire planet. Yeah. Feels like he's kind of on top of his game already. You don't also need to kidnap some unique, one-of-a-kind creature we've never heard of and never will hear of again. Just have the master having created another thing, thanks to the Siberium, for example. Or it was only by combining the Siberium with some tech from the Daleks, and which I managed to tantalizingly lure the Daleks to sharing with the Cybers and yada yada. Like, yeah. We could have that... And that would save us something like 10 minutes of plot in this episode. Now, those 10 minutes, we don't delete. We take the remaining plot and we stretch it. And now we can spend more time on a farewell with Dan or on whatever's going on at Unit or yada, yada, yada. Yeah. Did someone mention vandalizing artwork? No, they didn't because it doesn't need to happen. <laughs> Screw those 10 minutes as well. Seismologists, I'd love to know what they were about. Let's spend 10 minutes on those seismologists instead. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we don't need to do Doctor Who looking at paintings in London galleries. The Day of the Doctor already did a much cleverer, more fun job with that. That also feels like a, uh, like a James Bond uh, ripoff, even in terms of cinematography. There's that scene in... Which one is it? Which one's the first one with Q in the Daniel Craig Bonds? It's like Quantum of oh. Solace. Oh, maybe. It might be. Where, I can't remember it, so maybe. Well, either way, there's a scene with James Bond in the National Galleries, uh -huh. yeah. scene from behind, staring at a painting, and then all of a sudden Q sits down next to him, yada, yada, yada. Oh, here's my gun. Oh, what? You're just handing guns to people in the National Gallery? No, no, never mind. But why do we need Ace looking at paintings? Like, is that what Ace does now? Is Ace just... Is that... Wait, is that... What? No, explain <laughs> Ace and the paintings. Ace is keeping tabs on unusual restoration patterns in galleries throughout the world, just in case it means something to do with the Doctor or alien interference. Because those two things, logically, are almost inseparable. So there are a lot of paintings in the world. Yeah, and some of them get stolen, by the way. <laughs> I mean, wouldn't your suspicion be... 
this painting has been lavishly restored just a few months ago and it's gone missing. I'm sure nobody else was keeping tabs on it the same way I was and has decided to steal it when it's in peak condition. But, is, but does that then presuppose that Ace is keeping tabs of a specific subset of paintings? in the event that they suddenly get taken off the wall. Only ones the master has heard of. The master has heard of only a few paintings. The master's because... heard of every single painting on Earth <laughs> and on other planets. Is, is she keeping tabs of... This, this is... Yeah. I hate this subplot. Every little bit of it. Okay, I'm going to explain why it is this way, though. Okay, please. Because, unfortunately, clevers are quite difficult to write. Oh. Okay. But you can approximate a clever by means of the very things that you are reacting so vehemently against. Convolution. So if there are eight steps, it doesn't matter that six of them are unnecessary. The master has thought all the way from the beginning to the end, and no one could possibly think that he would waste time on these middle five. And that's what makes them so unpredictable and genius. That's why where the Siberian is really showing its metal. <laughs> and, and why it is this way, right? It's, it's because of a fashion. I, I identified this as very latter-day Sherlockian, by which I mean Moffat Gatiss series four Sherlockian which is when they had to introduce the even cleverer sister. So the master villain, the sister or the master, has set up the entire plot. We know from the beginning who's behind it. And rather than Doc, in a more traditional mystery, finding stuff out of her own initiative, she is summoned hither and thither by the mastermind, the writer's proxy, who is the necessary number of steps ahead. And that came to stand in for superlative output. And it's really difficult following Stephen Moffat because Stephen Moffat is renowned for his clever plots and his intricacies. But this structure is incredibly limited plot-wise. The mystery is resolved by the poster or the trailer. Or if you're lucky, there's a twist and it's an even bigger bad. But that isn't what happens here. You set up mysteries, but they don't feel like mysteries because they're backstopped. They're closed-ended. They're not mysteries. They are riddles. And rather than trying to find your balance amidst a freshly destabilized universe, you're reading a hostile fortune cookie trying to figure out what it means. Okay, well, couldn't we have made this a teeny tiny bit less convoluted and still retain the exact same kind of nonsense that we get in this episode? Yeah. For example, how about we have the scene in the museum solely to introduce Ace on yes. the job. Yes, yes. How about Ace and Tegan work together and they're both in the Carpathians? They walk up to a whatever, blah, blah, blah. We have Kegels mm. calling them going, hey, where are you? We're just coming up to that place you sent us to. Why did you send us to the Carpathians, Kegels? Well, we got a reading. You know it. Don't ask questions. Just follow orders. What's, what, what are, you, are you there? Are you nearly there? Yes. Beep, beep, beep. Our detector is saying we're nearly there. Oh, here we are. Oh, <laughs> it's a note from the doctor. Oh, it's a doll. This doesn't look like a Russian nesting doll. How very odd. Yes. And then Kegels goes, I think you actually need to come back here. We've had another one. Cut to oh, all these museums. I think that's just a long way of saying show, don't tell. And then if, you don't have to have Tegan telling her with the eyebrows in the cheeks are oh. all going as well. Flipping hell, Ace. This is a full face mystery. Oh, Christ. If Tegan could act, do you not think that she would have told Ace on the phone, why the shit are you sashaying around art galleries while I'm doing all the hard work and traveling to the <laughs> yeah. Carpathians? I'm practically of retirement age, <laughs> and yet I have to be in the middle of fucking nowhere. 
<laughs> well, you just got off the tube five minutes ago. And then you're going to be in the coffee shop. I mean, come on. <laughs> there is another thing which we just brushed past. And not in a fun way either. Do you think it's part of the Siberian's strategically genius scheme to brag about itself through its vessel, the Master? Because that is the very epitome, the, the example non pareil of I am being clever and in saying how clever I'm being, I'm actually being really stupid. But, yeah, that's a super fair point. But if in using the intelligence that he gains from the Siberium, the master ceases to be braggadocious, then he also ceases to be the master to a certain degree. He just becomes a Cyberman, and that's also not something we want, right? Okay, so there is another reason why he might be saying that, yeah. It still seems... There still needs to be a little bit of emotion in him. Yeah, yeah, I get that. It just just seems... (laughs) For the Siberium to say, you better try extra hard, because I'm in here, I'm actually who you're up against... Again, it's spelling out the mystery to the point of non-mystery. It's yeah, I never. So, did you feel that the Siberian is sort of has taken over the master? Because I felt it more like he's Johnny Mnemonic himself, and he's just input. It's like a USB stick. He popped the Siberian in there, and now he knows what the Siberian knows. It's just weird that the master isn't giving himself the full credit. For instance, if he were to team up with the Great Intelligence, then he would basically think that he was doing the Great Intelligence a favour. Someone should write an audiobook about that. They absolutely should. What a great idea. (laughs) (laughs) But... You agree, then? You signed off on that script. Yeah. I've, I mean, you probably wrote that part, in I fact. feel like that was part of the original idea, actually, yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, still, I think if we had... Seen, sorry, just to say, oh, I yeah. feel... I absolutely get what you're saying, but I think if we had had the Siberian speaking through the Master, I'm pretty sure we would have criticised that aspect of it. Oh, we would have gone... I definitely. certainly would have gone, I don't give a shit about the Siberian. I never heard of it before a few episodes ago. I want to hear about the Master. Yeah, no, the Siberian doesn't have a voice. When it's part of Ashad or the Doctor, they yeah. retain their voices and their personalities. Do we need Ashad in this? Okay, so one of my notes was on Ashad. He brings nothing back to the party. Nope. Except for one moment, which is the only time his personality or backstory comes into play at all, and that is his face-off with Kegels. Yeah, yeah. Because he, I did like that scene, actually. Yes, because he has volunteered to be converted and Kegels know the ri- knows the risks and she is able to play off against him saying you are weak and feeble because he's saying I was strong and I got converted you don't want to get converted and she's able to flip it and be like no I'm the, the strong one because I'm going to risk doing this even though it would be the worst thing possible and I'm playing for time and you know that and still it's my only option but I'm not backing down. And that is made so much more powerful because there is this kernel of backstory and personality in there that the rest of the time is completely superfluous. Yeah. Yeah, that's very true. And so it's a shame that they only used that once for one moment. And I would say the same thing about the previous doctors that they've brought back, at least in the edge realm. But, yeah, but it's fan service only. It, but it didn't need to just be fan service. I agree. Only. I agree. Yeah. The, the one moment where it's interesting is where McGann is called out by McCoy for not wearing a robe. And that's the only time that their lines are not fully interchangeable between any of the regenerations, which is exemplified and underscored 
by that effect, which is fun the first time, and then they way overused it of the faces all morphing into each other while they're saying the same thing. And I don't want to see them all as practically interchangeable. Like, don't just use that once. Make it deeper, for goodness sake. Yeah, have them in some... Yeah, exactly. No, I agree with you. If we could have had them interact with each other, actually complement each other... The fact that we have the fifth doctor, the sixth doctor, the eighth doctor, the seventh doctor, seventh doctor, seventh doctor. The, 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 the first kind of, and the first, the fact that we have them there, they all bring something different to the table, and it's only because we have fake Hartnell, Hartnell, there. <laughs> uh, it's only because we have Davis and yada 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 that we can actually solve this. Yeah. Actually, what what it is is just it's Whitaker looking into a mirror. It's like Whitaker looking into a funhouse mirror, and it's slightly wobbly. Yeah, but it's still her because she's really just looking into herself. Yeah. Well, should we address that whole point now? We sort of stumbled onto it. Sure. Yeah. You mean the precipice scene or what? There's not an actual precipice, is there? And this is just her. It's almost like don't step into the light. I can't remember the name of the girl in poltergeist it's one of those oh, right. like it don't step into the light it's you you're in some transitional realm yeah you're in wayne's world too come back which is what it reminds me of oh really where where wayne is lost and garth is just stumbling after him he's like where are we whoa and it's oh when they're following the weird naked yeah, yeah native american man yeah. again a way more interesting version of this I saw that in the cinema with my mum. Did you? I remember walking out of that cinema afterwards and telling her, I think I need to change my image. I'm going to be more like Wayne and Garth. (laughs) (laughs) Both at once? (laughs) Yeah, because in my child's mind, this was like, what was this, 91, 92? Yeah. Yeah, to me, they were just essentially one and the same character. And for the first time, you said, dude, and you never looked back. That might have been my downfall. (laughs) (laughs) Well, back to the Doctor's near downfall here. (sighs) Okay, so I found a note. Okay. Opening on Bradley is a good choice, I think. Sure. Because you don't expect him to come back. You think, oh, he's he's had his run, but no, he's, he's back again. But the second they say, quite the strength of character, this incarnation... That is saying the others, poor dead Troughton and Pertwee, all of 9 through 12, 12 Capaldi, who refused to regenerate for an entire special, who punched an Asbantium wall for 5 billion years. He didn't have the willpower to stop himself. No, anyone could have done it, mate. Throwing himself off the edge. (laughs) Really? (laughs) And then, why would vestiges of consciousness just wait? But this is because this is why I'm saying I don't think she's even really talking to them. She's mm. she's actually because we get to see those doctors in two forms. We get to see them on the precipice, and we yes. get to see them as holograms. Yes, and we don't get to see them as holograms because of anything that happens on the precipice. No, those two are entirely separate. What yeah. happens on the precipice happens in Doc's mind. Mm-hmm. That's just her. Don't walk into the light, Doc. Ing right, yeah, yeah. and therefore she's essentially just talking to herself. Like, it's almost as though she's trying to talk herself out of dying. But then why aren't they all there? Because we only have certain actors available. Slash... <laughs> of course I know the real world explanation. Yeah, but for that, that is it. I mean, the, the alternative is we get other actors to portray other past doctors, or we do a Dimensions in Time, and we just have a CGI head of Troughton floating around the place. Do you remember that in the Rani's <laughs> TARDIS? very much. Well, what, okay. what are we going to do? 
Or I know we what... just have the first one. I we know can what... just do that as well. I know what we're going to do. What's that? We are going to have these previous Doctors talk to Yaz in the TARDIS, rather than the Doctor. That gets away from... Or maybe not Yaz, but... Okay, so... Yeah, I like that idea. That's very nice. Jodie's talking to Yaz because Jodie and Yaz, that makes sense. There are other companions, though. Yeah. So... No, but that... Yeah, go ahead. Sorry. Well, maybe I've talked myself out of my... No, 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 no. You've talked me into it. Okay. I think this is a great idea because we get Yaz meeting the other past companions... And then we don't really get a follow through until the sort of post credit sequence that we never get to see. Because mm. at oh, the very yeah. end, they go to Companions Anonymous. Yes. Which is lovely. I maintain that exactly as in the Instantish Reaction Review. That I love that. Do, as a do, concept. do. I have a trivia point. Oh. That I have to drop now. Okay, drop it. This is the first appearance of William Russell as Ian Chesterton slash Chatterton since which serial? What was his last one? I'm always talking about it on the podcast. I bring it up practically every week. It's the chase. It's the chase! <laughs> <laughs> By I, do you mean I? <laughs> <laughs> My transmogrification is complete. Oh, you're right. It is the chase. Yeah. It's the last one for both of them, actually. Yeah. Yeah, interesting. Okay, so... Yeah. We have that lovely rounding off of the episode for Yaz and the rounding off of her arc. I love that. I love the concept of Companions Anonymous. But we never get to see her actually bonding with those other companions. What we do get to see up until that point is her meeting two of the past companions, one of them saying, we used to be you, and her kind of being dismayed by that. Yeah. So wouldn't it be nice if we had something that picks her back up and goes, yeah, but that was a different relationship, that was a different friendship, that was a blah, 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 different whatever. And so rather than her thinking, oh, shit, the doctor that I'm like completely, absolutely head over heels in love with once thought of others the way that she thinks of me perhaps or she was just as close to them or she was as she relied on them as much as she relies on me or they cared about her as much as i care about them she Mm -hmm. meets she never gets to talk to ace and tegan again wouldn't it be great if she got to talk to sly and pete and they told her yeah they were pretty great we had fantastic adventures i traveled around with this other guy as well and we met the cybers, we met the... Have you met them as well? Fantastic. I bet you, I bet you your doctor loves you. Yeah. Wouldn't that have been nice? I think that would have been fantastic. It would have been nice. And it also makes me think perhaps that would be a way around Dan's exit. In what way does doing that salvage the Dan aspect or replace the Dan aspect? If we get rid of Dan here entirely, yeah. we still need to explain why Dan isn't around. Yes. Okay. Well, he does have a date to get to, which has been set up at the end of Legend of the Sea Devils. Yeah. Because Di previously didn't want to know. And then halfway through him leaving a message, rather than her reacting to that message and saying, oh, it's really nice to hear from you. You know, I forgot how much I enjoyed hearing your voice. Uh, You know, maybe, maybe we do want to meet and go on a date. She cuts him off and says, by complete coincidence, I was thinking about you, you big daft beggar. Let's go on a date because I need to get you out of the plot now. I mean, I really hope that she breaks up with him after three or four dates. <laughs> and just like, just long enough for him to settle down again and then also realize, fuck, I made a huge mistake. <laughs> He's got the support group. They will ease his path back into civilian life. Okay. Well, but, but the point is, he could have left at the end of Legend of the Sea Devils because yeah. they gave him that out. That's true, yeah. Whereas but- 
the way they've done it here is they've they've included him specifically so that the doctor can have her difficulty not saying goodbye to him slamming the door in his face so that Yaz can be empathetic later on with her farewell line let's not say goodbye and then at the very end where she does her little nod and the doc just closes the door again and there's nothing more said. That's why Dan is here and why he is shunted off after 12 minutes in the very unsatisfactory way that he is. Sure. I agree. Whereas if Yaz had been able to see, as you say, more of the relationships with Tegan, flipping hell, Mel is in the support group, bring Mel on and then she can talk to Colin Baker for a bit. And Yaz can see that the through line, the similarities in their relationships and the difference between them and her relationship with the Doctor, like you say. And and it organically appears from characters interacting rather than just bouncing off plot beat points. Yeah, I completely agree with you. As far as, just getting back to the Dan thing, as far as Dan is concerned, yes. If we could have written him out at the end of the last one, it would have been, it would also have been at the end of a story. He had been a swashbuckling faux hero in a shit episode, but still in an episode. He's done some things. He's achieved something. He's helped someone do something. I can't remember what that episode was about. It was nonsense. But at the end of which he goes, that's it. I had one last adventure. Instead, here, he has a cold open and he goes, that's it. I had one last cold open. I'm done. And that is also not narratively satisfying. No, and it's not narratively satisfying structurally, but it also asks the audience to overlook an awful lot which is that dan has a massive hole in his helmet my first question how did dan survive being shot in the face (laughs) (laughs) yes i guess there was only just enough zap to penetrate the final molecule of protective visor sure (laughs) you think he'd have a singed lip or something nope a very close shave literally but or even a wax treatment But no, he is in the train and he is looking at his practically shattered helmet and the doc is just barking instructions at him. She doesn't look down at the thing. She doesn't notice that he's affected, that something has happened to him. She is just laser focused on anything but the laser that was focused on his helmet. Well, yeah, in many ways that hits the nail on the head because what his abrupt exit at the start does more than anything is it undermines her. Yes, she is not at all, as Yaz says, not one for farewells. That's almost Yaz saying, I'll lie on behalf of this person I know much better than the person I'm describing. I'll lie on, <laughs> on behalf of the doc and say that she's not one for farewells because deep down inside, I know she doesn't give a shit about you, Dan. Yeah. You're nothing but cannon fodder and you haven't had a single good quip since you joined the team. And yeah, that that undermines her. She should, if she cares about the entire planet, she should also care about Dan. Yes. When he says, yeah, I'm thinking of leaving. And she says, okay. It reads to me as surprise and a bit of annoyance. Like, why would you do that? Yeah. Did you not realize that we could have gotten rid of you at the the end of the last episode? Yeah. You should be grateful. You should be grateful to nearly die. You're not going to get that sort of thing in Liverpool. (laughs) No, not at all. (laughs) You have to go to Tottenham or something. Haven't you listened to Who Back When? She's going to break up with you in like three or four episodes. Yeah, fuck off, Sheffield. (laughs) (laughs) Fuck Dan. Fuck Dan. Right in the ear. Yeah, but he still doesn't deserve this treatment. He doesn't. Because... No, no, no. He does. No, he does. No, no. (laughs) 
he has serviced all the plot points he's been asked to do. He has thrown Yaz at the Doctor, and no, he didn't agree with the way he did that by practically outing her. Yeah. Of course. Again, that's another reason he could have left Legend of the Sea Devils. He's served his purpose. But if I were Dan and got the treatment I got in the first seven minutes of this in the cold open, I would want to leave too. It's not a look you want for your protagonist. No, but don't you think that what this sets up is him returning at some point towards the end of this episode, or at least toward some, some, at some point in Act 3, to be heroic? Because in Act 1, we know, as he's leaving, we know there's a lot at stake here. There is a lot at stake, and Doc needs a hand, and Yaz, she needs a buddy. Yeah. It's not as, even as though he leaves and goes, listen, it's better. I'm just in your way, Yaz. Like, the two of you together, blah, blah, blah. I don't know yet about the weird Dalek message that's being transmitted as I'm leaving right now. But he knows that shit's at stake. The cyber's just kidnapped some girl, right? Yeah, but you know what would happen? What would happen is Dan's purpose in Act 3 would be he'd be on the metal quarry planet and the big laser would be beaming towards the dock and he'd have to be the one who pushes her out of the way. He can't do that. She has to die. No, wait. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. Because he wouldn't be on the big metal planet because how no. could he get to that planet? TARDIS. No, he no. would go to Unit HQ. Oh, I see. Because he's got to come back from Earth, yes. Exactly. He's on Earth. Unit HQ, it's under lockdown. How am I going to get out of this? Whatever, blah, 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 blah. Instead of Ace, even though that scene was absolutely stunning, when Ace is parachuting into the TARDIS, instead of Ace maybe <laughs> parachuting into the TARDIS, yeah. somehow he helps scoop her up or something. Whatever. He, he meets her or he helps Tegan. Because Actually, fuck it. He meets Tegan somehow because Tegan can't do anything on her own. So she meets him and together two useless characters make up one kind of useful one. Yeah. He could either catch Tegan at the bottom of the lift shaft. Yeah. Yes. Bingo. There you go. <laughs> the, the one thing that we never get explained anyway. Well, there is a possible explanation, but it does undercut another thing, which is... Is she wearing a parachute? Ace, from her weapon stash in the floor, pulls out an automated landing parachute, which she gives to Tegan. But okay. Ace also takes one of these. And my question for you is, why does Ace have to pull the ripcord on her automated landing parachute so that it opens up and it can get shot by all the cybers in the building? Yeah. No. Yeah. So I, I, I think we need to get Dan back in Act 3, and I think him saving Tegan as she's falling down the lift shaft is exactly the right place to do it. Yeah, okay. Because yeah. he is on Earth, so he can't go to the Metal Planet, but he can walk into Unit HQ, especially when it's under sort of some sort of quasi-lockdown because no one's minding the door, so he can just sneak in. He probably has a walk that he uses to somehow hack the lock. Yeah, And, and he's met Kegels. He's met Kegels in Joseph Williamson's time tunnels. There you go. And Kegels is in the business of employing ex-companions, so the second he He's available for freelance work. Yeah, there you go. And then we get a scene of Tegan going, who, who that? Oh, I can't do the uh, Aussie accent. Who the hell are you? <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's actually better than I thought. That's, it the, be. that's the only voice I can put on. To... <laughs> that's not a knife. <laughs> this is a knife. Who the hell are you? <laughs> who the hell are you? <laughs> <laughs> And he says, I'm the newest recruits. I was like, oh, God, they just keep getting new people in all the time. It's like, so what's your history? Did you travel with the doctor as well? I did, yeah, and I left too soon. Well, you left the doctor. I did. I know I'm a fool, but now I'm crawling my way back. And I need to make it up to her. 
And I remember the first time I watched this, expecting Dan to come back at some point. Absolutely. And also, he comes back without Di. Why isn't yeah. Di at the companion support group? Because, okay, she didn't travel in the TARDIS, but she was present throughout the whole of Flux. Yeah. Like, she was trapped in a passenger. She was saved. She's been on Doctor-adjacent adventures. So is this companions only, or is this anyone who's ever had any kind of dealings with Doc, slash, are we ever going to meet... Is they ever going to meet the group from uh, what's the Absorbaloff episode? Love and Monsters. Oh, Elton's Law. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. What do they ever have like a really awkward softball game? <laughs> <laughs> I would love that to be true, but no, because fan service once again takes precedence. It has to be companions only because there's a chair left empty for Sarah Jane, and everyone there has to be more significant than Die. Sorry, Die, you just don't cut the mustard. Nope, not at all. No. Okay. Um, before we leave the open, the cold open, can I ask one about the cold open? Go for it. Uh, why is the train electromagnetic and not the boots? Oh. Normally, you have spacesuits where the boots are electromagnetic, and that's what helps keep people on the surface. Instead, they just land on a train, and they're like, it's fine. The train is electromagnetic. Oh, yeah. Our boots are connected to the electromagnetic roof. Yeah. That seems really dumb to me. Anyway, that's it. Let's go uh, to a different question. Maybe just uh, electromagnetism <laughs> is involved in the attraction between the two materials, and let's not get specific about Electromagnetism, uh, I feel, when you make a surface electromagnetic, I'm yeah. sure I brought this up before, oh, Okay. I think that should be a Dalek reference, because classic Doctor Who Daleks could only travel on electromagnetic surfaces. Mm-hmm. So when you have a surface that is electromagnetic, that should not be a cyber cold open, that should be a Dalek cold open. Right, I think you did mention this before. Oh, so the fucking yeah. cybers are all metal. The whole thing is electromagnetic. Wouldn't they just like eh, be stuck to the roof of the train? Oh, mm, well. Well, I... yeah, okay, I know that's ridiculous. Yeah, <laughs> nobody's walking. I did like, <laughs> partly for the visuals, but partly for the clever or the daring of it. The Doctor turning off the electromagnetic yep. attraction, absolutely, and them all stringing out like a human chain and. All the cybers going flying by. Some of them shooting lasers as they whipped past. I mean, it looked great. Oh, it was stunning. The cinematography, there were so many good angles in that opening shot. There was nothing ordinary or standard about it. You had, looking from above, Dan is looking at the vertiginous distance down to the train. Or from below, the Doctor is jumping and... it, It made it look a lot better than the studio green screen. Very basic non-stunts they were doing oh i agree they threw so much money at this yeah i don't know which production if they somehow change production teams or they hyped up the kit or whatever it is they've done but it is you can tell that this is a much higher budget production well yeah the bbc in making the the centenary special presumably said it's no object come on win us back our audience we need to sell this around the world we need disney plus and sony to want to get involved (laughs) Yeah, okay. certainly. I have one more suggestion. About Go for it, please. Dan's exit, because... <laughs> Still on Dan's exit. Yeah, 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 yeah carry but, on. But this is inside the TARDIS. This is the Doctor and her handling of it. Uh-huh. We cut back to her just being sullen and silent and paralyzed. And I get that it's perhaps meant to be a new high watermark in the doctor's personal tragedy of being the ultimate highlander of having to say goodbye to so many people and it really tore capaldi to pieces 
really put him through the ringer and he acted it out and here it's just so still and it seems like a new low to me frankly like there's nothing left to add but this stasis and so what i thought my suggestion would be dan and yaz are outside and the doctor is inside saying to herself there must be no regrets no tears no anxieties just go forward in supporting liverpool fc and prove to me that oh shit a dalek and it could have been a Hartnell callback. I'm on board. Yeah? Yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> yeah, yeah, you didn't look on board while I was saying it. No, no, no. I'm, well, I'm trying to picture it. No, I'm on board. I'm okay with this. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Since we're fan servicing up the wazoo and the rich history of the Doctor is being plundered for all it's worth. We might as well have at it. Yeah, and she has, well, he has slammed the door on a companion before. But back then, there was all this rich dialogue or monologue to go with it. And here there's nothing yeah it's but really lacking yeah because because good actor as jody is she can only say so much with a look i wouldn't want to lend it the kind of gravitas that you do that, that you get with hartnell monologuing <laughs> to his granddaughter oh, that's true dan is yeah. no susan no yeah. absolutely not but i do like having some kind of mini reference to it she could be monologuing through the speaker and then maybe this is how you're thinking of it. Like, it, it, And the Dalek pops up and she accidentally essentially turns off the speaker. Yaz outside, Yaz and Dan outside are kind of like, oh, is she done? Is she, was, <laughs> I thought there'd be more. That was in the middle of a sentence. Like, <laughs> what, what, what's going on? Or maybe she's even just rushed towards to saying goodbye. She doesn't want to use the word Dalek over the speaker. Yeah. So, yeah, because good, heaven forfend, that might coerce him to coming back like she doesn't want that so she just goes oh no yeah no i gotta go okay bye (laughs) really rushes the goodbye towards the end but at the very least he does get something and it's a little bit of levity yeah my point is you don't have to ape what hartnell said word for word but you can play off it and you can update it and make it sadder and less hopeful if necessary and the doctor might just be mumbling it to herself under her breath and you can see like she wants to believe it but she doesn't quite believe it she certainly doesn't believe it enough to say it to dan and she doesn't really convince herself at all and have dan look down and he's only wearing one shoe yeah <laughs> he's like wait what <laughs> and i'm and pretty sure i was wearing two of these <laughs> and the doc opens the door a crack and dan thinks oh she is gonna say something to me after all and she just rolls out a solitary potato and she yeah. goes, you'll need this <laughs> it's fertile or inside the tardis she opens a closet and she throws his one shoe into it and we see it's just full of single shoes yeah <laughs> and, and then <laughs> in the companions support group at the end like, did she steal your shoe as well? Yeah, I never found it. Is that what happened? It's really weird, isn't it? She's got, like, she's got a problem, it. that woman. She's yeah. got a real problem. I've had a limp <laughs> for years because of that. I'll get you my chiropractor's number. <laughs> she left me in Croydon and I stepped on some broken glass. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah, I see this actually as a really nice retro rewrite. Okay. Okay, I have, I have a follow-up question, though. Oh, okay, okay, carry Because on. we're talking about the Dalek. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, sure. How did the Dalek breach the TARDIS's transmission firewalls? Yeah, so I have notes about this as well. I like there being a renegade spy Dalek. 
mm-hmm. but it's a missed opportunity because that Spidalic just is just there to take her to a volcano so she can get imprisoned. There's nothing else to it. No, it's yet more convolution. Uh, unnecessarily so. But there is an answer to this question that you are not giving me, a correct answer. Oh, really? Because yeah. I was, I was going to say, if it's able to breach that boundary... Mm-hmm. Why can't it just transfer the data? Why do you need a physical manual USB stick? <laughs> yes, clearly it doesn't have that wireless capability. No, my question down in the volcano was yeah. once they meet up and they realize that this is going to be a time-consuming procedure, why don't they retire to the TARDIS there? But you've taken it one step further. Well, that's Yeah, that's also a fair point. Yeah, never needed to go to Bolivia in the first place. Wow. Yeah. My goodness. Yeah, yep, you have unwritten the episode. No, Bravo. No, it's nonsense. There's so much... That's, that's the thing. Like, there's so much convolution that we could just have been spared. Yeah. It still would have been a really elaborate and complex episode. Yeah. And we would have understood more of it. We would have mm-hmm. gotten to appreciate more of it. And there would have been fewer plot holes and it would have made more sense. The answer to the question, by the way, yeah. is it said, breaching transmission firewalls. That was the answer. Which oh, right. is the exact yeah. same way. I could ask you later on, how is the Cyberman not strong enough to hold Tegan back from a control panel? And it's because the Cyber says, human resistance stronger than anticipated. That's all you need. That's all you need. That's the easy, easy way out. Yeah. You just need them to own their bollocks. Can I? I can do this now. I can't do this now. Oh, well, that explains it then. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, you can't do it? Oh, no problem. (laughs) Yeah. Because Tegan must have, she must have built up her muscles fighting off all those gropers and feelers as she went up and down the aisle of the of the aeroplanes <laughs> in the 80s, which she makes an explicit reference to. That's true. Yeah, she does. Yeah. She refers to that basically as her cyber training. Yeah, th- yeah. That was like running that gauntlet in Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom. <laughs> like, yeah. Except instead of bugs, it's just really creepy guys yeah this is her fighting her way out of first class into the safety of the vestibule where they keep all the in-flight meals that's how she's able to do it yeah so we were talking about dan before yes and then we segued onto this and i was going to segue in a different direction to something else that we could have gotten rid of here which also might have enabled yaz to actually do something more with her life vinda right get rid of vinda oh yeah vinda has no place in this episode he shows up conveniently wearing a bracelet that requires him to narrate everything that's going on for no reason (laughs) well they are very hot on their voluminous compendious mission logs yeah, they have to be submitted in real time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Out loud. <laughs> Imagine how impractical that is, by the way. You're, you're a professional space pilot or space ranger or whatever it is. He, uh, whatever it is. Whatever he's he needed yeah. to be this week. And you constantly have to walk around. One arm is always out of commission because it has to be held up to your mouth so that you can speak into it what everyone around you can see that you're doing. Yeah. It's really annoying. Anyway, if you had gotten rid of him, then you would have lost the one thing that he actually does do, and that is he hides, meaning he doesn't play a part. Then he suddenly shows up out of nowhere and he points a gun at the master. Yes. We deliberately have the scene where Doc goes, give Yaz a gun. Yep. 
<laughs> that gun just disappears, by the way. Yep, and one of my introductory questions was, what happens to Yaz's gun? Exactly. Yep. Well, what should have happened to Yaz's gun is, that gun should have been the gun that he points at the master. Mm. And it wouldn't necessarily need to be him. It could have been Yaz. And maybe the master didn't see that Yaz got a gun, or whatever it is. Or, or forgot. Or just or forgot, or just said, don't worry about it, you're never going to use it. You don't use guns, you're too much like your doctor. Yes. Yeah. You take after her too much, you're a pacifist, yada yada yada. And then at the end, she goes, actually, sadly, unfortunately I know that now and then, in my line of work, it's needed. It's not the thing that solves every problem, but right now... I can't think of another solution. And she points the yeah, gun at him. Because I was with Ace when she was talking with Sylvester McCoy. And when the professor said, you only do it after fair warning. I took that on board. I was there. I exactly. learned something from the doctor, how they operate. She could have learned that not even from Ace or Ace's encounter with the doctor. She could have learned that from the doctor in the scene, in the TARDIS that featured in your retro rewrite. Oh, that I suggested in our instant reaction review. No, was, earlier today. Oh, yeah, but in that review, I said, give Yaz some more complexity. Maybe have her need to shoot the master. Yeah, uh, rather sure. Rather than just being the pure angelic black and white hero. And all she does at the end... I'm not saying that pointing a gun at a baddie is a more complex and emotionally satisfying conclusion to her arc, but at the very least, it's a, an emotionally satisfying conclusion to her getting a fucking gun. <laughs> yes. <laughs> And all she does at the end of this episode, the way that she solves it is she takes the Sonic, she points it at something and then directs it at something else. Done. Yeah. That's all she does. Well, she does also have the TARDIS fly itself when her post-its don't quite amount to what they need to. Well, have, have her point the gun at the master. The master <laughs> goes, I thought you didn't do that. Like, have her actually tell the master or like actually tell the doctor in front of the master, I don't want to use a gun. I hate guns. That's not what you're about. That's not what I'm about anymore. I know I joined the force, but like, that's not what I'm about anymore. I don't like violence. I don't like weapons. He then uses that against her, and at the end, when she points a gun at him, he goes, well, wait, I wasn't expecting this. You said, you said, you promised, you fucking promised to me that you weren't about guns anymore. And she goes, sometimes two wrongs make a right. And then she leads him into the, whatever, terrarium. Done. Oh, Mm. fuck. Okay, I'm taking off another point two. Something I want to take off point one for. It's really low now. Yeah. I There is something I cannot let slide. Oh, here we go. Say the, this and then I'm replenishing my drink. The Master's <laughs> explanation for escaping Gallifrey when the Doctor asked, how did you escape? Oh, what what is it? I don't remember this. Magnificent attention to detail. Oh, I do remember, yeah. Yeah, but you didn't remember it off the top of your head because it's completely meaningless. It's utterly weightless. It's the writer patting himself on the back for not having written a clever. Yeah. No. Verboten. <laughs> Bad chibbers. It feels like a deliberate provocation to people who value continuity and narrative rules. Yeah, I agree. I completely agree. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, I'm sort of trending towards the uh, lower end of that range I was talking about. Any positives, dude? Um... 
some fan service. The Mar- Master's Dalek plan. I thought that was a nice reference, oh. but that's literally just a one-line bit of fan service. But it was like three lines that all mashed into we each other. We said this in the yeah. instant reaction as well. That like it's such a good one line. So why are you padding out this one delivery? To <laughs> don't add more things. Yeah, diminishing returns. Absolutely. Okay. I liked his talk in the cell about. I'm allergic, I'm human intolerant. I did not like that at all. But I liked that it was followed up with, I'm just not like the mood before you all die. I, I liked the, uh, the yeah, menace yeah. there. Yeah, yeah, I sure. Found him, I found him menacing because, because, right, although it didn't produce a visible reaction on its hearers, it wasn't just a close-up of him going, look how contorted my face is. <laughs> Which is what we get most of the rest of the time. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Okay, 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 okay. Hang on. I will find something good. <laughs> Did I mention, by the way, how both Ryan and Graham got a hug when they left and the doc was perfectly good at goodbyes when they were companions she cared about? No, I don't think you did, but I yeah. was definitely there as well when the doc was really good at giving goodbyes to literally every single other companion ever. Yes, and <laughs> those two in front of Yaz. Yeah, but that's why I'm, that's why I'm saying Yaz yeah. is just lying to cover for doc. Yeah, apparently. Ah, right. <laughs> right, so we've talked a lot about Tegan, perhaps. Yeah. Isn't our favourite part of the episode? What about Ace? Ace is great. Ace is great, right? Ace is fabulous. Uh, they both kind of act for a different era of television. I, th- I know I said this about Tegan the last time that we reviewed this one, but Ace's style still kind of holds up. <laughs> yeah. And she's she's also just a better actor. But on top of that, as a character, she's so compelling and charismatic. She's great. Yeah. She's fun. Yes, she is. She is so gung-ho. Yeah. She's lost none of it. And her smile is still impish, surely in her 50s. But I think that's the thing. Tegan doesn't smile. Ace is so much fun to watch because she's clearly having a good time, whereas Tegan is just the one who's always fucking miserable <laughs> she is an emotional drag yes absolutely was this due to her exit with the fifth doctor or something she had like essentially she had two exits with the fifth doctor and towards the end i mean she was really good towards the end but she also got to see some really horrendous shit happen we talked about this in the audio that she was in didn't we oh with did Davison. we yeah, yeah like, we she did. was pretty traumatized and didn't want to go back to it yeah like the character and the actress didn't she become an agent? Isn't she Paul McGann's agent, actually? Oh, yeah. I, I think, think she is. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, okay, so Ace. Yeah. Ace is so much fun, and also, th- this is such a super superficial thing to say, but Ace, as a companion, had more paraphernalia that is sort of mm. recognizably Ace. So she had the Nitro 9. That was a thing that she did. She would make explosives and blow up Daleks. She had a baseball bat because she that's a thing she did. She just broke... She was a pyromaniac and just like a horrible vandal. But Tegan didn't. Tegan was just that one character whose job was to travel around the world. She was a flight attendant, a stewardess, I guess was the term at the time. Yes. And... A trolley dolly, probably, but yes. <laughs> I've never heard that. That was horrible. <laughs> But then when she got aboard the TARDIS, instead of that being part of her thing, like, oh, I want to, now I want to see more of space and time. I didn't know that was a thing. All she wanted to do was get back home. Right. Like, oh, well, that's, I don't like you now. Like, that, that's just, you're pointless as a character. Mm-hmm. Ace, therefore, when revisited, gets to do more fun Ace things. 
what is what is Tegan going to do? Tegan actually literally is in the Carpathians, is complaining that she isn't back in England. Yeah. Or in Australia or wherever it is that she's based nowadays. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And Ace, apparently, I don't know how canonical this is or in which strand of the canon, which format, but seems to have a difficult exit with McCoy. But it didn't sour the whole thing. She was pleased to see Jodie. She was wowed yeah. by it. Agreed, yeah. I'm trying to remember how how she exits. So Ace was star-lorded. When she was young, she gets flung into some sort of time tornado or time... I can't remember what it was called. Maybe it was a time tornado. It wasn't a time tunnel, clearly. And she ends up on some other distant planet somewhere in, in the furthest reaches of the galaxy. I have no idea about any of this. And she's working as a waitress in a bar, and she's also a bit of a renegade. She's making the Nitro 9. Like, she's an anarchist. Oh, wow. This uh, is on the telly. Yeah, yeah. This oh, is in Classic Yeah. Then Doc shows up, and obviously her arc is, I want to get back home, right? Because I was taken away from my home, so the culmination of my arc is, I need to get back home. That's what I've been missing all my life. Okay. She was, I guess, in high school when she was plucked, so now she's in her 20s, maybe, whatever. And anyway, so Doc shows up, she travels with Doc for a while, and your assumption is Doc is eventually going to take her home. Yeah. But instead of that, they meet this other dude. Now, this isn't on telly, though. She was still there at the end of the classic run. Yeah. Wait, hang on. I'm going to look this up. Maybe I'm confusing her with a different uh, character. They went off at the end of Survival, and the tea was going cold, and other things needed to be sorted out. Oh, yeah. Who the fuck am I thinking of, though? <laughs> I don't know. Okay, well, either way, that is definitely her backstory. Okay. I think the end comes somewhere after Dimensions in Time, and it might even be, like, novelization, and eventually their story comes to an end, but I don't know how. It's only hinted at here. Right. Hang on, I, I need to find out which companion I, I was thinking of. Is it Mel, then? Or is it Perry? No, Perry turns into a bird. <laughs> what? <laughs> a peregrine oh, falcon. Oh, no, no. It, it's. Wait, surely it must be Mel. Okay. Because so they go. In Dragonfire, they meet Ace, and Ace now becomes the new companion. She was Star Lorded, now she's traveling around with Doc. And Mel has been traveling with Doc up until that point. And I think Mel then just, instead of wanting to go back home, which she also wants to do, she just then hitches a ride with another alien dude. Just okay. goes, I'll take you back home. All right, then. Yeah. You're a pirate. You're clearly not going to take her right back. You also don't have a TARDIS. And then I'm pretty sure, right after Dragonfire, Remembrance of the Daleks, hey. Doc takes Ace. Yes. Okay, so sorry. I was thinking of Mel B. So, oh, so this means Mel B actually did get back home. Yeah. Yeah. Um, right after Dragonfire, Doc takes Ace back to Earth. Meaning Mel B could just have stuck around and she would have gotten back to Earth. She didn't have to hitch a ride with a pirate. Anyway, fuck it. You know what? I feel like I'd redeem myself. (laughs) What were you talking about? Question. Yeah. So Tegan and Ace are both off having adventures with their own personalized version of the Doctor's AI interface for the rest of their lives, right? Yes. Yeah. Wait, no. No? Wait, why? Why not? Why would they have an AI interface for the rest of their lives? Because they've got these little nano implants under their skin. Yeah. And the doctor can, or the doctor's AI, can just look through their optic nerve whenever they're on an adventure and say, here I am and here's my input. Oh, no. That yes. is way too much spin-off potential. Mm-hmm. I Isn't hadn't thought about though? that. Yeah, I don't like it. <laughs> I don't like it at all. <laughs> yeah, too powerful. Too powerful, and also now we have too many doctors. Yeah. Yeah. 
Um, Infinitely replicable. Yeah, in fact, every single one of those doctors is not even that doctor. It's the doctor. So every single one of those little implants can be any any doctor. Yeah. Up until Whitaker. Their combined wisdom, completely invulnerable insofar as there's no physical thing to destroy apart from the companions themselves. Yeah. Oh, I don't like that. I also just found a question in my notes, which is, how did Ace and Seven fall out again? <laughs> oh, right. <laughs> well, there you go. Yeah. Well, my f- last question is a follow-up from what we were just talking about. How did Doc know to prime multiple companions, some of whom she hadn't seen in up to 38 years, with nano implants under the skin, somehow through all their clothes, before realising that a forced regeneration would require these companions' guidance via AI interface? Hmm. Do you think... Do uh, don't you think that maybe? <laughs> okay, okay. Hang on, wait. I'm going to justify this. Do you not think <laughs> that that maybe she's just recently picked up this tech uh, or figured out how to do this? Right, it's uh, finally I'm gonna, ready. I'm gonna Legend ba- of the Sea Devils was the capper. I'm going to babble fish your shoulder, and now she meets these companions. She knows well if I get into trouble, and I know that this is a biggie. I don't know what's going on, but I know that this is a biggie. Yeah. I'm going to babble fish your shoulder. I've been told my end is near. And if it doesn't happen, then it doesn't happen. It doesn't matter. Then they'll never know that I babble fish their shoulders. It's okay. Yeah. And I've bumped into old companions before, so I'll just carry a couple of extra around with me, just on the off chance. I, I think that's... I can forgive that. <laughs> yeah, I can absolutely forgive that. Okay. Yeah. Wow. Do you know what I can't forgive? Is it the AI asking, are these extreme circumstances where I've undergone a forced regeneration... Which I've just said is the worst thing possible. No, it's not that. It's pretty simple AI, but it's, okay, what is it? It's taking two TARDISes, travelling forwards in time 160 years, and then converting volcanoes into metal. Okay. That was a lazy piece of shit. And I did not like that <laughs> in the slightest. I thought that was a really sad culmination to this. Oh, but the volcanoes are spewing up magma from the Earth's iron-rich core, so of course it's very metallic. So I think I think this episode needs to make up its mind. Uh-huh. What is it about? Is it about covering the planet in lava? Or is it about, okay, fine, so a couple of volcanoes had an eruption. No big whop. By the way, that stock footage of those volcanoes erupting, hugely underwhelming. Yeah. Like, they barely counted as ructions. They were more like little ripples. I don't even really remember them. I remember the CGI one. That was very nice. Well, there was the look... We've <laughs> more smug location work, as Michael would say. Here's a volcano shot in Bolivia and Ecuador and Iceland and Indonesia. And Quick, yeah. get our guy in who composites large place names onto, <laughs> <laughs> onto stock footage. Um, yeah, yeah. Anyway, so either you have volcanoes or you have conversion you don't have both, because if you have volcanoes that cover the Earth and they're actually a massive threat, then there's nothing left to convert. So, make up your mind. Well, that is symptomatic of this episode is trying to be everything, isn't it? It's trying to be Chiba's own compilation of his greatest hits, a distillation of everything he ever cherished during his run Yeah, into a single episode. Ashad, Cybers, Daleks the master, all the big bads that he set up apart from Tim Shaw, <laughs> which he <laughs> listened to the fan base on that one. Everything but Tim Shaw and, I guess, Nibbler. What's the Nibbler thing called? Oh, yeah, yeah. I, don't, I can't remember. Yeah, I, the, I know exactly. The Suranga thing. Yeah. Everything apart from that is being 
crammed into this and he's also Wait, he also set up a new kind of dark not just a new kind of dalek the infiltration dalek the spy dalek scout whatever. dalek Sc- dalek scout yeah maybe yeah but SAS we got Daleks but we got well. to see an actual dalek what the, a dalek looks like in the chibba's universe mm-hmm. the dalek we get to see up close and personal in this one looks nothing like it mm. it looks like an old school dalek all right doesn't it it's yeah, it, it does it does and it's more fan service so he's he's fanboying on himself and servicing his own desires but he's also ripping off so much previous doctor we've already talked about the paintings the dalek the renegade dalek and the doctor says i've never encountered anything like this before when rusty in capaldi's era the previous doctor, was exactly like this exactly, exactly like this, like this. Right. Yeah. And and the Daleks trying to drill down to the center of the earth. Yeah, that rings a bell. Yeah. Is is that not the Daleks master plan? That is the Daleks master plan. So it's even name checked in this episode and they're just doing it again as no. part of the masters. Wait, it's not the Daleks it's plan. not the Daleks master plan. It's the Dalek invasion of earth. Oh, okay. Pens down podcast. Phew, <laughs> that was a close one. <laughs> yeah. <sighs> right. Yeah. I, dude, I also have more bullet points, but we, we don't have time. We could quibble for hours. Yeah. We're not even quibbling. We're, we're, not, we're quibbling with Chibbers, who's sitting in that chair. We are doing, yeah. we're basically Clint Eastwooding an empty chair right now. It's- oh, <laughs> I was hoping we were going more for Reservoir Dogs, but okay. Oh, Jesus. Jesus. Cut off your ears. You don't want to hear this. <laughs> oh, God, so horrible. Okay, right. I think we should try to rate this. Okay, let's. <laughs> <laughs> And now it is time to rate this. Did we laugh or hate this? Bing bong, bing bong, hey, la 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 la. Ratings. Shazamatron Podcast Land, and welcome to our last ratings section of Who Back When? Doctor Who Podcast. Yeah, quite possibly, eh? Yeah, maybe. We've had so many delays now that we're kind of encroaching on future New Who almost. When you say delays, I've always podcasted once every fortnight. I just didn't expect to be on like the last dozen. Well, yeah, well, hey, (laughs) welcome to my life. Okay. (laughs) Oh, yeah, I was stealing your identity. And you know what? You can have it back. It's been great for 90 minutes, but... (laughs) Okay. Are you starting? Am I starting? I don't mind. Go for it, dude. All right. Oh, cripes. I I already said at the start, I knew that I was going to give this a higher rating than you. I know that I will be. You know what the thing is? Sod it. Well done, Jodie Whittaker. Hey! You knocked it out of the park. Much of this episode bugs me, as the last couple of hours kind of tests, but none of it is on account of her. So, brava. And what a grandiose farewell for any doctor. Not just this doctor, any doctor. So by that account, well done, Chibs, as well, although I maintain you could have spent your time writing a smidge more wisely. It was... Lovely seeing the other Doctors as well, of course, but I put that down to fan service, so I'll, I'll conceal my nerd on, henceforth. The companions, meanwhile, I think they bear receiving a bullet point each. Ace, great seeing you again. Come back anytime you like. Tegan, great seeing you again. Stick to being an agent. Yes, great <laughs> seeing you again. You got to do something valuable. Hooray. It didn't never happen, but it wasn't too frequent and occurrence. so best quit while you're ahead. Dan, no time, sorry. Joe, great seeing you again. No doubt catch you at the BFI sometime. Mel B., Great seeing you again. You got a line. That's great. That's excellent. The BBC owes you residuals now. Ian, <laughs> oh, sweet Chatterton, Chesterfield, Chesterton. You <laughs> magnificent chap. Great seeing you again. Next time you're in this neck of the woods, let me know and I'll have a cup of tea ready and waiting for you. The master Not Really is... nothing for Graham? Oh, yeah, sure. <laughs> <laughs> nothing for Arnold Palmerson, volcano inspector. He was good fun. He was good fun. You know what? Truthfully, forgot about him. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Ace. Yes, you are. The master 
Yeah, okay. Is my next bullet point. Very psychotic, appropriately so. But as I've said in both the past and the now very recent past, I'm not a huge fan of the Dewan Master. He's... He's too mad. He's trying too hard to be the Joker, and I don't get his plan here. Why does he Dark Knight into Unit? Why does he minify the seismologist's vandalized artwork, transpose his plan to the past where the consequences can't be hidden from the present? Why does he want Doctor Regenerate him into himself, except through some mad Oedipal complex, or perhaps more like Zeus fingering Demeter? It makes no <laughs> sense, is my point, and that brings me to my beef with this episode. It's great (laughs) (laughs) it's fantastic i really enjoyed it and it does not deserve any of that adoration because it's a mess half of which should have been left on the cutting room floor if not adjacent to chibba's toilet because i'll bet you euros to pounds that's where he's written the bulk of this shambolic etcher sketch grab a fistful of fridge magnet poetry and flick it at any surface of a train hurtling through space and time script (laughs) he sat down and parted his cheeks like the red sea because he figured lightning doesn't strike twice and any screen Screenwriter can only produce one turd at a time, surely. And that's why we get that train intro and Dan being a waste of space and time and a million plot complications that are in aid of nothing but keeping the guild of large place name title composites afloat. But yeah, it's a romp. I watched half of it this evening while you were driving here, Drew. And I'm of half a mind to pop the second half on the next time I hoover this place. Okay. Greatest asset, an epic farewell adventure. Biggest flaw falls apart at the slightest whiff of scrutiny. Main takeaway, this part is greater than the sum of Chibber's legacy. And I've given this a rating, a probably far too generous rating, of 3.3. Okay. Wow. You know what? That's very instructive. Oh, really? <laughs> Were you wondering where to place yourself? <laughs> I, I am. And... <laughs> Present tense. <laughs> yeah, still not certain. I'm cobbling bits from my notes i'm gonna have to stop cobbling and stop waffling and start going so i guess here we go very little as i said is actually original here and what is original i didn't think was top tier aside from the visual effects the paintings being retconned the daleks massive drill plan the cyber masters shoot each other through the joe martin ai exactly like the daleks destroying each other when gallifrey's removed the last time all the doctors were together <laughs> The full crew is flying the TARDIS like in Journey's End. There's a nice little twist on that because they're like, no, of course we don't know what we're doing. You think this makes sense? So sometimes, sometimes there's a little extra given. But there's so much, as we said, that doesn't make sense. and so much more. I could go for another hour on this. Regenerating cybers. We know from the impossible astronaut how to kill them permanently, don't we? Good point. Yeah. Forgot about that. You've got all this train crew pointing their deadly guns at them, and yet the orange marmalade starts up and they're like, well, I don't possibly know what to do. I better call for help. Nobody even tries shooting them again. Hey, guess what works? (laughs) Bang, bang. (laughs) Hooray. Very good point. Everything is safe. So much is at the service of being cool. And Doctor Who shouldn't try too hard to be cool. You've got the grunts have bundled the master into the lift. He's about to go down into the cell. And he's able to stick his head back out of the lift and deliver another waspish, venomous threat to the doctor. And just as long as he needs to do that, he's given and then he's jerked backwards. And it's like, it's so clearly not what would be happening. I guess it's theatrical, but it's... No, do it differently. I did like the cold open very much. 
<laughs> Cybers say to what I thought was the timeless child, the doctor lies. I thought that was a great ending. And you mentioned in the instantish reaction review, and I looked at it here, the oh, beautiful yeah. river of lava. It's stunning. Yeah. Yeah. That was very nice. And also, I really like the zoom up through the clouds towards the Death Star in space. Like that whole massive rush. That was a rush. And okay, I don't buy the Doctor shocking the companions with the mini implants, but it was a good misdirect. I did not call what it was, and it was dropped in the script at at good times. Like, oh, yes, no, what is that? Oh, is that because she's regenerating? It had nothing to do with her regenerating, but then again, it didn't actually make any kind of sense. We (laughs) We just talked off mic about if this is Kegel's first time in the TARDIS and we believe it is podcast land it's a very sweet moment to see the look on her little face although I think as the head of unit and knowing what she knows from the brigadier perhaps she should be a little less overawed by its being bigger on the inside but it all comes down to Jodie like you say her conception of the character of the doctor we saw it tragically rarely we saw it during the pandemic when she made that little video in her cupboard and we were like, there's the Doctor, more of that, please. And it again shines through right at the very end. She is shorn of the standard easy regret, the, oh, aren't we all welling up? That we've seen a million times before. And instead, with her in her scene with Yaz, she's full of gratitude for her experiences this go-around. She's close to beaming, despite her proximity to her incarnation's end. And then it comes through again, atop Durdle Door. By the way, did you know that the regeneration didn't take place in the TARDIS? Because the Whitaker and Tennant halves of this scene were shot eight months apart. Oh, right, okay. So they couldn't possibly blow up the interior, redecorate, because Chibbers didn't know what RTD was going to want. So he was leaving him the maximum leeway to be like, okay, it happens outside and you can Hmm. do what you want with it and take it from there. Okay, sure. That's why they did it. I feel like there are ways around it. Maybe. More restrictive ways. A pin. Put a pin. Finish your thing. Okay. (laughs) And there's one last bit of trivia, which is Tom Baker was also invited to take part in this special. Oh, really? As one of the Guardians of the Edge. He's a surviving Doctor Who. But he said he was unavailable. Chibnall explained, we asked Tom, but sadly he could not do it. He was not available. Such a shame. But we both know that he read the Guardians of the Edge part of the script said, I'm one-sixth of the same character who doesn't make any sense. And he wouldn't even go downstairs to his kitchen green screen to record for this one. (laughs) And I don't think he's wrong. (laughs) Jodie's acting is great. And you're right, it's epic. It is kind of more than the sum of its parts. But a lot of those parts are just plain bollocks. So I'm going to give it 2.3. Wow. <laughs> I wasn't expecting that. 2.3. Holy smokeroonies and cheesecakes. Well done. Yeah. Yikes, caramba. I want to be more generous because it is lovely. It does end on lovely notes. Yeah. But like you say, it could get there half an hour quicker or with half an hour better. Oh, absolutely. Here's a thing. All right. Two things, actually. Sorry, two points. One, why is tenant, or rather, why is the regeneration not taking place inside the TARDIS? Yeah. Tenet regenerated into Matt Smith in the TARDIS. We didn't get to see what the new TARDIS was going to look like until afterwards. Okay. We don't need to get to see it at the same time. Hmm. Uh, 
Capaldi regenerates inside the TARDIS. We don't get to see what the new horrendous crystal dildo TARDIS is going to look like. Oh, yeah, it has to spit Jodie out first. Exactly. So be a surprise And later. then the TARDIS needs time to regenerate, so that's fine. You, you could very easily just put tenants... He's surrounded by green screen anyway, because they're not shooting it atop that cliff. No, that's so very true. He, they might as well put him on a green screen, and he looks up, and there's just a smoky TARDIS around him or whatever, and we figure that out. Yeah. But it's a very nice shot. I think that's the main reason why they do it on that clip. It's a beautiful shot. It's oh, a beautiful regeneration. Picturesque. Yeah. And it is nice. The sun goes down, but it will rise again yeah. as David Tennant. That's very nice. Yeah. Number two, this is a Doctor Exit and a Showrunner Exit episode. Mm-hmm. But it's not an anniversary episode. The anniversary episode is just about to show up. Yes. So if you are a past Doctor, and you're going to make a reappearance at, on some occasion this year, when are you going to make that reappearance? If someone goes, hey, we would like you to come back this year. Oh, for the, the anniversary special? No, for Chris Chibnall's farewell <laughs> episode. Yeah, but they called it the BBC Centenary special, which it kind of was. Did they really? Oh, the yes. BBC Centenary, yeah. But yes. it's not the Doctor Who anniversary. Sorry, my uh, the ice in my cocktail is clinging. If you're being asked to come back for one particular episode of Doctor Who, granted on B- on the BBC, but of Doctor Who this year, and it's not the anniversary, it's for Chibber's farewell, you're probably going to go, oh. Oh, you're talking about Tom, Tom Baker, Baker's decision for example, yeah. whether to, yeah. Imagine if in the Doctor Who anniversary special, there were an opportunity. We haven't seen it yet. It hasn't aired yet. But let's say there's an opportunity in it. Doc has already regenerated back to tenant form. What if there's an opportunity in it for just to revisit past Doctor faces? It doesn't have to be like, oh, we're going to regenerate back to Tom Baker now. But it it could be like just for a flicker of a fragment of a frame, we get to see Tom Baker or Colin Baker or Sly or whomever, right? Well, we've seen quite a lot of that done via CGI. That's true. But normally we get to see that in anniversary specials. Yeah. And you're right, we have Doesn't seen... Doesn't it take it away from it, the fact that we've seen those Doctors now, right ahead of that anniversary? Mm, Weren't we talking so. about that, like, immediately before we pressed record, in fact? I think that Tennant needs all the space he can get in the three episodes, which is all the 14th Doctor Ryan's going to be. I don't think he's going to be sharing the screen time with other Doctors. No, I don't think so either. I yeah. don't think so either. But I will take your point in that... Tom Baker has already come back and done this for the day of the Doctor. He's been the caretaker. He's done yeah. his who knows. Yeah. So, well, so t- how old is he? Eighty-eight, maybe. When this was shot. Yeah. Slash a thousand. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Depending on species. Yeah. So he could have done it, but I still probably would favour my theory of, as you said, three of the Doctors. Was it the sixth, seventh, and eighth? Were all together at one convention or another, saying, oh, "I don't know what any of it meant." And Tom yeah. Baker, he's got standards. <laughs> That's not good enough. For Absolutely. Him. This is purely fan service wank. No, I'm not going to do it. Yeah. I forgot about that, actually. Thank you for reminding me of that. Well, I am. None of the doctors on that cliff felt that that was a meaningful scene. (laughs) (laughs) Not one of them. (laughs) I know that because I was you and I was there. Because I am you now. Oh, Christ. Is that what this whole thing was about? (laughs) I think this is about something much bigger than us. It's about connecting to a whole land of... Uh, listeners uh, yes exactly this is about the broader community uh the great community that we are part of yeah so why don't we see if some of them have opinions to share about this episode oh why let <laughs> this is now let's hear from podcast land max 250 or it would get out of hand welcome listeners to the last listener mini section of this podcast maybe in toto 
grand scale. Leon, how many have we got? We have <laughs> about 10, I'm going to say. Right, so yeah. Or 11, I think, actually. Gonna, <laughs> yeah, give or take. Numbering does get tricky when you get up to about that number. So we're going to read the first three and then we're going to do some sniffly snips, much as it pains us. But thank you all for writing in and you can, as always, read these minis in their full splendour on whobackwhen.com. You know what? I'm starting to feel a little itchy about you being too much like me. (laughs) (laughs) We might need to do one more episode just so I can round this off as myself. (laughs) Right, yeah, just so you can reassert your own individuality. Well, for now, who's first? Oh, hello, it's Tracy. (laughs) Tracy from America! Hello, Tracy. What up, Tracy? Tracy begins hey guys sorry i've been quiet been thinking of you oh let's get to it the best parts of this are the cameo work it was great to have tegan and ace involved in the action of the episode and such a lovely treat to see joe melds and incredibly ian all making brief appearances loved also seeing past doctors appear to both the doctor herself and the companions the best bits of this reunion fest was the scene with graham and ace just magical. Indeed. The Master is back because, of course he is. And while his volcano quirks become the Doctor plan is bonkers nonsense, that's very on brand for the Master. A list of my beefs, says Tracy. There's not that many, so I guess they're like short ribs. <laughs> I cannot stand the places in the world slideshow cards. Ah, here's your friend who agrees with you. And, wait, how did Tegan not die from falling several stories down an elevator shaft? Yeah, yeah. yeah. She was caught retrospectively by Dan. You're welcome. Husband, Husband from America! Had this to say. Entertaining, but the plot was a hot mess. That's well phrased. And they definitely made the master into Rasputin just for the Boney M song. I thought that went on a bit long. Did you not really like it the first time around? I don't know. I, did I? Or was this a conversation we had off the air? I can't remember if I heard this in our episode or if we talked about this off the record. But it sort of coincided with, what's it called? The King's Man. Okay. Which is the prequel to Kingsman. Yes. In which Rasputin shows up. Uh-huh. And they have a whole music video. And it's so much better than this. Oh. <laughs> and it's cinema quality. Not to say that this isn't a cinema quality. This is, we've already talked about the bombastic production value. But that's something that was done for for the big screen and it's really amazing yeah. and you can get the uh, that exact Boney M song with uh, I can't remember who plays Rasputin uh, doing a dance and fighting people at the same time and it's awesome yeah and I bet he had longer to do it because the other thing Sasha Dewan said in the interview or an interview I've read was that they filmed that in a real rush and he didn't have time to prepare anything for his it Rasputin dance it showed it did didn't yeah. it it showed there was no choreography it no. was just him undulating on screen yeah and I guess I kind of liked the Cyberman turning to the Dalek and then sort of sharing a wry look as far as that's possible but it, I, I kind of hate it as well yeah and also, I didn't understand how TARDIS's windows behind Vinder are pulsing with disco lights. Oh, I missed that. Because that's not even there. That's on the moon. It's something to do with Zap Warp Boink. And yeah. Okay, anyway, Tracy has a last thought. She does indeed. I've sometimes felt the Doctor hasn't got much range beyond either frantic or confused, Tracy says. However, her last scene with Yaz, she gets slow and poignant. And I think it works really well. Mm-hmm. And Tracy gives this a rating of a birthday cake covered in little blue cubes and orange sonic crystals. Spot on. 
Yeah. Closer to my rating, closer to my rating. Yeah, I think so. I think so too. I think a lot of people are going to be closer (laughs) to your rating, honestly. Yeah, and beyond. Uh, Mm, Thank you very much, Tracy. People who are not Tracy should follow Tracy online. Tracy can be found at... Yekotnyotnuf. That's Fountain Tracy backwards, almost. Who's next? Next up, it's Robbie from London, Ontario, Canada. All of those places. <laughs> Hello, Robbie. Long time no see. Robbie starts, Hey guys, been a while, but I absolutely had to stop by to review the finale of Jody's run and the absolute banger that was Power of the Doctor. I was one that really enjoyed the 13th Doctor and to get this anniversary feeling finale story for her was fantastic. Although I've seen very little classic Who, just some First Doctor and the movie, I still got so much feeling and emotion seeing Ace and Tegan not only show up, but interact with their Doctors again. And did I absolutely lose it to see the Eighth Doctor again? I absolutely did! But the Master's Dalek plan was fantastic, and his Doctor amalgamation outfit certainly gives me cosplay ideas. But this episode gave me almost everything I could have wanted, besides the Doc and Yaz being a little more honest and open with each other in the end. The companion meetup was phenomenal, and Ian! Love it! Concludes Robbie, 4.8 out of 5. Thank you very much, Robbie! And to answer your question, Robbie, no, it's not possible. (laughs) Who's next? Next up, it's Peter Zunich! Hello, Peter. The Zunmeister himself. Peter says, Hello, New Who podcasters. Some of you may know that I've been endeavouring to watch the series in order from start to finish. As I literally just finished submitting my review of the Paul McGann movie, I am officially done with a classic series and can move on to New Who. So, what did I miss? You guys are doing Rose now, right? I can't wait to go through the whole new show with my favourite podcasters. It's the timelessness of the series that really matters. That's the real power of the Doctor. This is going to be great. So you're now going to just start over again, right? Hello? Guys? Anyone? (laughs) Okay, well, fine then. You go and do your whatever and I'll just spend the next four years listening to the new series back catalogue and posting my reviews on the site all alone and stuff. No, really, it's okay, I'm fine. Us Doctor Who fans are used to being left out in the cold. Well, the joke's on you. In the future, you'll be looking for more Who nostalgia and there I'll be, giving you my rating of Jodie's swan song. Here's a hint. Most insightful and amusing review ever! (laughs) So take that! Ouch! Cast me out like I was Dalek 347. (laughs) (laughs) See if I care. You'll see. You'll look back on my review and say, Remember who back when? Back when? The legacy lives on, my friends. Who back when lives on? Who back when forever? (laughs) What a lovely alternative universe Bad Wolf Bay version you've constructed there, Peter. Glad you enjoyed the classic stuff. I hope you're ready to hear lots more of me. Fantastic, Peter. Thank you so much. People who are not Peter should check out the Eighth Doctor retrospective, which featured none other than Peter all the way through. That's right. Peter, you're a fabulous chap. Thank you very much for that. Uh, Who's next? Why next up with the first of the mini-minis, it's Andy Parkinson. Yes, indeed, Andy Parkinson, who sent this in as as an instant-ish reaction review back in 2022. He says, this might possibly be my favorite multi-doctor story ever. I'm sure I might reevaluate when I can calm down, but I love this so much. 
And Andy awarded this 4.7 cans of Nitro 999 out of 5. Oh, I start to feel bad. I don't want to bring down people's re-evaluations to 2.3 from 4.7. Don't worry, you won't. People who <laughs> give this 4.7 will stick to their guns, okay. I think. Andy, fantastic stuff. Peeps. With Andy and everyone henceforth, head on over to whobackwhen.com and read this mini in its full splendor. And in the meantime, say hi to Andy online. He can be found at... Caffrey's 71. That's 71, the number. Thank you very much, Andy. Thanks, Andy. Who's next? Why, it's... Daniel. Daniel McGinley. Daniel McGinley. Daniel McGinley. (laughs) Hello, Daniel. I think we've been one for a lot longer than we've been letting on. (laughs) (laughs) hi daniel hello daniel mcginns welcome to the nostalgia show but we but we gotta skip to the end nonetheless an enjoyable watch (laughs) (laughs) now to 3.9 out of 5 says daniel next please (laughs) fantastic stuff thank you very much daniel peeps uh, what or not daniel follow daniel on insta at planet underscore of underscore giants no more underscore. Thank you very much, Daniel. Who's next? Why, it's G.P. Haynes. I say G, you say P, G. P, G, P. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> hello, G.P. Hi, G.P. <laughs> G.P. says, hello, lovely podcasters. Snip, snippity, snip, snip, snip. That's how you do it. <laughs> <laughs> and concludes with a rating of 3.7. Useless gold bullets being absorbed by modern Cybermen who are now impervious to this, but somehow their shooting is still shite. Bye-bye. <laughs> Solid rating. Solid rating from a solid dude. Thank you very much, GP. Peeps who are not GP readers, Minion is Full Splendor OVS. And say hi to GP on Insta and YouTube at... He can be found at Finding G Sports. <laughs> that handle still tickles me. <laughs> Thanks, GP. Who's next? Why, next up, it's a double barrel of Kieran Evans. Yes, that's right. Kieran sent in an instant and a more mature reflective review, the latter of which ends the good and the bad of the Chibnall era encapsulated. I still had a fun time with it. 3.8 out of 5. Nice. Absolutely solid stuff. Oh, Drew. I feel like we could read out 250 words in the time (laughs) this is going to take, but yes. (laughs) Did you know that I'm a member of Co-Wheels? Oh, really? Co-Wheels Podcast Land is like a car-sharing scheme. And on my street, there is a Co-Wheels car parked. And yeah, I'm still the one to always come here, but continue. Uh, I've taken the Co-Wheels <laughs> to you. You did it once, yeah. Shut up. <laughs> but not any longer, because oh. they replaced the Co-Wheels car oh. with a Co-Wheels van. But you really? know what it isn't? What isn't it? Electric. Now, I have a... There's a principle that I live by. There's a credo that I stand by as a human being. Mm -hmm. And it is, I will only drive an electric van. Absolutely. Now, where can I go to find my electric vans? Well, you could do a lot worse than heading over to KJE Vans 2. That's right. (laughs) (laughs) For all your e-van needs... Promo code who back when? All in one word for 10% off your first order. Thank you very much, Kieran. Who's next? Next up, it's Michael French. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, Michael French and every French listener. And oh, goodness, I'm not going to mock Michael anymore because he says, just so you know, it's taken me literally 90 minutes, if not more, to compose this simply to portray how middling I thought this was. So my rating for this will be a 2.1 forced regenerations out of five. 
holy smokeroonies and cheesecakes. And Podcast Land, you'll want to read what took Michael 90 minutes to compose. So yeah. please head on over to backwind.com and read Michael's mini in his full splendor. This is a man after my own art. Welcome back, Michael. Thank you very much, Michael. Merci beaucoup. Who's next? Next up, it's Michael. I thought we were just here. Ah, this is a different Michael. This <laughs> oh. is Michael. Ridgeway! Ridgeway! Hello, Michael. Love you, Michael. Ooh. This Michael. I mean, Michael French, I'm sure you're fine. How's that gonna fit? <laughs> that's that's a bigger than a second moon. That's no moon. <laughs> <laughs> Michael has a list of likes and a list of beefs. But he concludes with a rating of 5.5. (laughs) Due to the sheer awesomeness of you know who. Without whom, this would have been a mere 2.3 out of 5. Stock footage of volcanoes erupting. Do you think potentially he is talking about the... Seventh Doctor? Maybe. I I, don't know. I believe I do perhaps know who. (laughs) Love the rating, Michael, and the stock footage (laughs) observation. Utterly fabaroo. Uh, Peeps who are not Michael, please follow Michael on Twitter or X. He can be found at bad. Underscore. Moving. Underscore. Club. And where is Davros (laughs) Grr? Thank you very much, Michael. So big. (laughs) (laughs) Who's next? Next up, it's Ollie Raven. Hello, Ollie. Ollie says, overall, I serenade it with 4.4 Boney M dance numbers at the Winter Palace out of five. (laughs) Oh, it's more than good. It's ace. (laughs) Very nice. Thank you very much, Ollie. You know the drill, Podcast Land. Say hi to Ollie online. Ollie can be found at... Foggy Doctor Who. And we know that you go on the website because the number of people who are referencing the next drop date for the classics, very surprising. I know. Uh, (laughs) I'm glad that people are noticing. Yeah. (laughs) Thank you very much, Ollie. Who's last? Last? Oh, no. (laughs) Last up, it's Tan Six Fingers. Pow, 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 pow. (laughs) (laughs) Hello, Tans. Finger, 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 finger. Zeus? Demeter? (laughs) Stop it with that. Anyway. (laughs) Uh, Tans has a list of the good, a list of the fan service, and a list of the Swiss cheese. And he concludes with... (laughs) He says, snip, snippity, snip, snip. I give this 3.8 miniaturized seismologists out of five for the good feels it left despite so many unanswered questions. That's why I feel bad, potentially. I don't want to crap on anyone's feels, because when required, this episode certainly delivered on the feels. Oh, absolutely. I I completely agree with that. Yeah. Yeah. And you know what? I was grateful that the Doctor was restored 20 minutes from the end. At the time, I was like, this is way too early. But then I was like, thank goodness. Some relief, some release, and some time to... Enjoy what actually this should all be about. Yeah, some respite. Yeah. 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 Um, Tans, thank you very much for that. Uh, Podcast Land, read everyone's snipped mini, including Tans's, on the website in their full splendor. And after that, please do say hi to Tans as well, who can be found online at Tan Six Fingers and... Tan Six Fingers. That's right. <laughs> sometimes it's a number, sometimes it's a word. Yeah, yeah, just Russian roulette it. Yeah, but every time it's an extra finger. <laughs> thank you very much, Tans. And thank you, everyone, who sent something in for this one. Ever. 
Should say, by the way, this was another instant reaction review from Tans. This is also from last year, by the way. Yeah. Yeah. Well done. Holy smokeroonies and cheesecakes. That's us caught up then. Yeah, it is. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I didn't prepare a speech, but we're going to have a Who Back When retrospective. Yeah. As well as a 13th Doctor retrospective. Certainly. And that's all that's coming up, Podcast Land. That's not all that's coming up, because we have some other things in the pipeline, but it is yeah. all that is scheduled at present. Yeah, coming up in pipeline, very different things. Yes. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Holy smokes, dude. Yeah. We did it. Yep. It took 10 years. You 10 years, and it took me 8 years. I'm going to have time enough to do my freelancing job now. Wow. Wow, what's uh, that going to be like? What? I'm going to have time enough to do more writing and more commuting. (laughs) (laughs) Super fun. Yeah. Well, if you want to catch up on what Leon's doing on his podcast time off, you can follow him online at P-O-N-K-E-N Ponkin. That's right. That continues to be right, despite all the promises to change and or leave. And you can say hi to Drew and me and Marie and Jim and, uh, I'm assuming, Nick and Rory and, and Flapjack yeah. and JD and uh, <laughs> like, literally anyone ever affiliated with this podcast on at whobackwhen or whobackwhen at gmail.com. That's right. Yeah. Podcast land. Thanks for sticking around for 10 years. Catch you in the retros. Be rad and excellent to each other. Rock on and yeah, ciao ciao. Bye bye. Kablamo! Did you enjoy the show? Then please do what the cosmos compels you to and spread the gospel of who back when. Tell your friends. But I've got no friends. No problemo. Tell some strangers. Hey! Like us on Facebook. That's facebook.com slash whobackwhen. All in one word. Are you into Twitter? Awesome. High five us online and we'll high five you right back. You guessed it. We're at whobackwhen. All in one word. Check us out on Instagram for behind the scenes photos and other Whovian goodness. Watch our videos or even listen to our podcast on YouTube. That's whobackwhen.com slash YouTube. Vote us up on Reddit. Listen to us on Stitcher and head on over to our website whobackwhen.com where you can submit a review of your own, browse the article archives and peruse our visual index of aliens, monsters, and more, which increases in Kablamos with every episode. And lastly, give us a rating and review on iTunes. It helps our show get noticed and earns you lots of karma points. That's it. Rock on and be rad and excellent to each other. Catch your earballs in our next Who review or bonus episode. Until then, cha ciao. Who back when?